Hi, Yasmin. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're not good. Don't. We're, I'm doing don't my lie. best. I guess I'm doing <laughs> my best. The first thing you said when you showed up was just like bad, bad, bad. bad Eddie bad, opened bad. the window and was like, "How are you?" And I'm like, "I'm great." And then I was like, "I'm not great," <laughs> but it, I'm trying. I feel like it's the first time ever you can like be honest, and people are like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, Even people who like downer. didn't lose work or anything, because they still feel emotions and they feel bad for love. Like everyone owes somebody. Yeah. Everyone owes somebody that's like really really suffering um unfortunately if you are an artist musician or in a music uh or restaurant industry you're like really yeah, suffering it's dead. and you are in yeah. a lot of things like that um i'd like to start off the podcast just kind of telling the listeners about yourself and maybe where you're from a little bit and what you do and your background and the little all the little facets you do okay um I guess I'll start off. Um, I'm my name's Yasmin Miftal. I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I'm a first generation American of Moroccan immigrant parents. Um, I grew up, yeah, in like a south suburb of Boston. I did a lot of music stuff growing up. I always loved that kind of thing. Um, I decided to go to college for it. <laughs> um, I don't know, like the life story, the full life story. Um, it's hard to talk about I know. yourself, yeah. Um, I decided to go to college for it. I played jazz saxophone through high school, middle school, the whole thing. And then wanted to go to college to be a jazz saxophonist. Soon realized that I would just <laughs> make absolutely no money and that I didn't need to pay $100,000 for them to tell me, you need to practice more yeah. for four years. So I kind of switched more into the audio realm, did recording, hated sitting in front of a computer for 10 hours editing, and then kind of fell into live sound through our friend Trevor. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just kind of really loved that from there and... Um, that kind of opened up events for me, AV, like, um, I started coming here and seeing more of the DIY scene. I can't believe it's been like, I think I was five, like, five yeah, years. I was a sophomore a in college the first time I came here. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Isn't it? That is crazy. And you've, you know what? You've done a lot at such a young age in, thank you. you really have like in music, by the way, you're phenomenal saxophone is my, some of my favorite projects have been a part of afterglows oh i love afterglows <laughs> your your the, the two records you played on which again you're gonna be back eventually I would to love do to, it yeah you you made it like everyone obviously contributed but what you added to the texture oh, you're, you're great and you're good at improvising too yeah that's my niche in jazz i guess i've always been into the more like weird free improvised mm -hmm. kind of thing so afterglows was a great outlet for that I, I that's why i love that project because i feel like everyone who has been a part of it or has done it has that little part of them they're like yeah you can play traditional music follows yeah. traditional chord progressions traditional t traditional time signatures but going into improvisation where nobody knows what's going to happen and i mean none of us I, I can't speak for you but i know you're kind of classically trained in in mm -hmm. jazz but i'm not so playing with people who are, it's great to be able to follow that and feed off of it. Um, and your also your live sound engineering is amazing as well. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, you you I want to thank you for our, your help 
at the shows here and especially DZ Fest. I want to thank you, though, for letting me have, like, a place as, like, a very young engineer to kind of, like, try things out and be a part of stuff. And this gave, being here and, like, doing sound here gave me a lot of confidence to go elsewhere and be like, I can do this. That's so awesome. It's, it definitely started here for me. <laughs> I That's can't great. lie. I mean, throwing someone into something like DZ yeah. Fest is, is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I remember Especially my first you were like 22 or something. I think I was 23. like 20. 21? 20? I'm 24 right now. Oh my God, I forget how yeah. young you are. I'm 31, so I'm just yeah. like, wow. Yeah, well, I'll yeah. Be 25 in April, but yeah, I think I was like 19 the first time I came here oh or God. something like that. That's insane. Well, yeah, you and and Trevor and Joe all and and um, Felipe all really yeah. great engineers. So, so I'm so grateful Columbia to be able. Yeah, I mean, Columbia College when it comes to live sound engineers, they don't really mess around. You everywhere else, <laughs> I, I can't speak for everywhere else. Um, and you also have done NASCAR. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that because holy cow, that's insane. Yeah, that is <laughs> honestly. When I got the call to go interview for that job was the weirdest day of my life. I was like, I was a senior in college. It was, I think, right before Christmas break-ish. I was literally sleeping. I I think I had like Tuesday mornings off from school and I was sleeping. And um, when I was in college, I was a teaching assistant for the head of the live sound department. So I was the lead teaching assistant. So I managed our student-led like um, learning facility, which is actually the only student-led learning facility on the Columbia College campus. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, like completely student-run and led. Um, so I was in charge of that my senior year and junior year, but um, the supervisor for the, or the department head of the whole program, Jack Alexander, called me at 7.25 in the morning. He was like, listen, kid, I got a big opportunity for you. He's like, you have hit the big leagues. He's like, I'll call you more later. You cannot tell a soul this. And I was like, what? Like, just like half asleep. Like, And then I get an email from him basically telling me that um, he had worked with um, this company called Point Source, which is the company I work for. Um, they're contracted under NASCAR to do installs and operate um, during the NASCAR races. So... Um, we operate, I think, eight to ten tracks, like fluctuates yearly, like based on contracts and how they run all that. But Jack had worked with them before. Basically, they called him, said that they needed another engineer to run sound, like do front of house. And he recommended me. And a couple of weeks later, um, my boss, Danny, now called me, was like, hey, come down to the racetrack in Joliet. I took my roommate's car and literally bolted down there, had the interview, like, and they hired me on the spot and gave me a tour of the facility, and it was honestly the craziest experience of my life. That is insane. Yeah, like... You were 22? I was 21 at the time. 21. Yeah, I got it. And you're engineering the sound for NASCAR. I, yeah, I signed my contract um, right before I went home for Christmas, and then... I, yeah, I had a contract to start in May, like right when I was done with school. So I finished my last semester of school, which was really rough because I was like, I have a job on the end of this. Like, and I waited and took, and I did something that is, I don't know, not 
I wouldn't totally recommend it, but it helped me get a jump start. And I think that's another reason why I was able to start doing what I do so young is I took all my major related courses first and then I took all my gen eds junior and senior year. Risky. Yeah. Tricky. Tricky. Difficult. Well, I mean, I took like some peppered here and there, like of my Mm. general courses, but the majority of my senior year was just me filling in gen eds. Wow. I didn't even know you were allowed to do that. Yeah. So if you just stay on the course of like if you start taking the early like early classes, a lot of them open up to the, where you can kind of take a lot of them at the same time. So mm-hmm. I would just double up. And I was a music double major for my first two years, too. So a lot of that kind of translated oh. over too, and kind of got me out of some like basic level. Mm-hmm. And I had taken recording classes the summer previously online uh for Berkeley, like at Berkeley, so. So you did everything. You did it right. Yeah. And you did it smart. That's yeah, but awesome. then senior year, I'm like, I have this job and I'm in English too with a bunch of college freshmen just like, Oh, that does kind of <laughs> suck. <laughs> but knowing that you had that job was probably a nice relief. Yeah. Wow, that's that's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember hearing Thank that. I, I don't know if you told me or Trevor, but I was just like, whoa, yeah. like amazing. And I remember you couldn't do DC Fest because no, of it. No, I was so bummed out. And I was like, hey, I mean, what a great reason, though. Yeah. I mean, DZ Fest is wonderful, but what a great reason you're you're mixing NASCAR. Um, if you can go into detail, what does that entail, mixing a, a, a professional car race? Um, it's a lot. Uh, I, we do broadcast feed and the PA feed, so you're dealing with a PA that's set for up to, like, 100,000, 120,000 people sometimes. Like, and it's loud. It's loud because you have to be over 40 race cars on a track. And how loud are they? What's the DB of those it's, things? Um, like the highest I've measured is like 133, eight-weighted. Oh. And that can be from like up where I'm standing sometimes. I don't really go on the track. What about the often. fans? Do they wear earplugs? Not all of them. It's kind of crazy. Oh, my God. Anytime I'm on the track, I have plugs in, to my minus 25s in, and then I have shooters over. And then you hide inside of a capsule. Yeah, literally, and I'm like, <laughs> oh god, holding the like extra wireless oh mics on the side god, of the truck. God, that is like, insane. Shaking. 133 it's beyond crazy. the threshold of pain for crazy. those listening. Yeah, like ruined your hearing, destroy your hearing. Destroy your you, hearing. You 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 have not even one second you could withstand yeah. that technically. But if you're a cooler of beer deep. Who cares? Oh, I... Only sport you can bring your own cooler of alcohol. Of course, as long as it's not glass. I learned that. It's the weirdest culture. It's, like, of any sport I've ever seen. I'm not, like, involved with any other sports cultures, I guess. Yeah. And I, I mean, I used to go to soccer games with my dad when I was a kid, but this is a whole different level of, like, yeah. people come at, like, 8 in the morning. So, like, I guess, like, a typical day is, like, we pull up an hour before the gates open, so an hour before the spectator gates. Well, before the race weekend, we'll come in a couple days before, make sure the PA is working, Send signal between the TV truck, all that. Make sure everything's faxed out and plugged in. That correctly. PA system has got to be, yeah, powerful. And the other thing is, it's a lot of those setup days are a lot of like chasing around dead amps because they only use a lot of these tracks three days a year. Mm. So like this one in Michigan, they use it three days or they use it twice a year. So two two times a year for three days at a time, and then it's just ice, and you have all these rooms with like hundreds of amps and stuff and pipes and all this other infrastructure for the track and stuff breaks all the time. And so you just kind of get there and then you have to chase around and play pickup and clean up of what has been broken, what isn't working. Like, 
Yeah. Because they're all in a lot of these systems were installed like before I was born. <laughs> old school stuff. Yeah, they like to tell me that, that all old the time. Power they're amps. like, we, yeah, yeah. We've upgraded a lot now to like all the power amps are like new. Lab so, I mean, the money's got to be yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. The tracks have money to do it, but a lot of like the wiring is like older and a lot of like telephone wiring, which mm-hmm. is was new to me and a lot of fiber like wiring. And that was like a mind like learning how fiber works, like, yeah, it was just kind of hard for me to grasp at the beginning. But yeah, so we'll go in, we'll kind of make sure everything's still running and mm-hmm. all everything's talking to each other. Everything's networked, so we have like a view of you, like we use the BSS London software, you can open it, see everything. Amps are talking to each other, great. Um, then we'll just run music. And then so the day of the race, we'll get there run music, like just background music. And the craziest thing to me in the whole wide world of this whole job is these tracks don't have their own playlists. I am playing music off of my personal laptop. Are you serious? My personal laptop covered in like Gucci mainstay. Keep talking, Siri. What's up, Siri? Did we say Siri? I might have. Oh, I think you said laptop. Oh. oh. Yeah, that'll set her off. Siri heard that. And was like, Siri heard laptop. The connection she we said, both heard God. Y'all talking about me? <laughs> I hate technology sometimes. It's too smart. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. I heard that. I can't do all that. I got, I, like, I finally updated. I got Adobe Creative Cloud for just to learn over quarantine because mm-hmm. I have nothing else to do. So I had to upgrade my computer, which I hadn't done for a while because I didn't want to ruin all my plugins on Pro Tools. Yeah. So I had to do that, and now my computer is searing at me all the time. So, ba- sorry, back to you're using your own personal laptop the for playlist. the playlist yes. for NASCAR. <laughs> literally my own laptop, just like my own Spotify account, like oh my literally God. my like personal Spotify account, and like for 12 hours a day, and I have to come up with music that is so clean, no insinuation of sex, no damn, no hell. So no WAP. No, no WAP. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just picked the most extreme I one. I love it. Oh, wait, so I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question. Yasmin, a young Moroccan female engineer for NASCAR. Yeah. How did that... Yeah. <laughs> how did that go over First with... Year was that, weird. that might be the most white, male-dominated... Absolutely. ...sport culture ever. Yeah. Like, ever. My entire company is all older white men. Um, everybody who works for NASCAR race control with the exception of a couple like newer, like young females is all older white men. All the announcers are old white men. Drivers are all white men. Fans. Not old. Not old. (laughs) It's a young man's game. There there are some people who have been doing it for like just years because you can, I guess if you like, I don't really know like the exact ins and outs of it, but I guess if you race for a team like... And you still run the race, you still get paid, or I don't know. Like people just do it to keep. Got it. I heard a joke about this driver, a truck race driver called Joe Nemechek, and everybody just calls him Joe Need My Check (laughs) because he always loses, but he still just gets. He still just gets paid. paid. He needs his check. Wow. Yeah. What a that's got to be rough though. Yeah, it was definitely something to get um, adjusted to. I definitely didn't love it the first year I did it. Um, like I love the work, but it was definitely just like, I would come back to my hotel room at the end of the day, just like a shell of a human from oh, 
listening. And this was before, like, I guess people were, like, super conscious about racial injustice and, like... Before it was hit, right? Yeah, before, yeah. Which is, is another whole thing in itself. Uh-huh. But, I don't know, it was just a lot of, like, weird... I yeah, there was some incidents, and I won't obviously get into it. But right. there are some times that I was like, "Wow, um, no, man, I'm sorry, that I, sucks." Yeah. I mean, I think it comes with the job. It, the whole like, ev- like everywhere I go in general with my job, I always find that being a young woman who does not dress like a like traditional like stagehand or sound engineer or like crew person like yeah. it always just kind of gets me either ignored looked over or just like disrespected which is shitty but it is what it is the the problem with judging a person by the way they look color of their skin not the content of their characters yeah. it's been a problem forever and um i'm obviously nothing i have none of the problems that you face but i've always kind of dressed a little Wacky, yeah, <laughs> and I've never been taken serious by people who don't know me because of that. Yeah, I'll never like. Yeah, I've gotten. I basically got or like quit slash got fired from House of Blues for that. Right. Let's talk about that. So aside from NASCAR, <laughs> yeah, you've done live sound at a lot of great and popular and legitimate professional yeah. venues in the city. Yeah, like House of Blues, House of Blues, um, Evanston Space. I love them. I love that place. I have. Evanston Space is my favorite venue. That's a cool place. It's a very small venue, but it sounds so good. And everybody who works there is so nice. And I love it there. Um, But yeah, House of Blues, a couple other ones around town. I've Mm -hmm. done Lincoln Hall and Shuba's a handful of times. Nice. I've done a show or two at the Metro, a show or two at Bottom Lounge. But um, two tree shows here. A couple two tree shows here and there. there. Well, um, a little bit of touring, a little bit of. But yeah, at House of Blues, and to go back to that, I remember my first day at House of Blues, every, like I came back and I came backstage into the production office and they were like, are you the new green room server? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm the new front of house engineer, actually. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> Literally, I'm wearing like a green, or like a big green turtleneck and leggings and I'm like, nope, <laughs> not me. So you're not wearing like the black, the black, the no, black? No, I don't like looking like a neckbeard, to be honest. I can't do the black, the black, the black. Um... If it's required, I'll do it, obviously. Sure, and, like, sure. there are a lot of jobs where I am required to, like, dress, like, especially with, like, corporate AV stuff that I do. Like, I have to come nicer dressed or, like, in all black. and Right. Be. But for House of Blues, they're like, we want everybody to be who they are. Blue <laughs> hair. So, yeah. But then at the same time, I've gotten, like, pulled by security because they think I'm, like, a fan trying to run backstage when I'm really just trying to change the band over from front of house. So the thousand people in the yeah. audience can watch the show. And you've mixed some really legitimate artists. Yeah. Like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you mix Billie Eilish for her after show mm-hmm. at, from, at the House Blues after La Blusa? I didn't mix hers. She had her own engineer for that, oh. but I mixed the openers and stuff and assisted, I guess. That's pretty wild because yeah. obviously what happened in her yeah. trajectory. That's yeah. cool, though. Uh, yeah, some really cool artists I've mixed for LMA before. Um, I toured with Smino, toured with Xavier Omar, mixing for both of them. Um, I'm trying to think of other people I've mixed for. It's now it like it feels so far away <laughs> at this time. Like thinking of shows I've done, I've mixed for the internet. That was a really crazy experience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. And you're the touring. You did a lot of like professional touring mm-hmm. it, last year. Yep, both last year and, and year before. Yeah, I guess I did the. I'm coming up on. It's almost been a year since my last tour. I toured oh my for, like my last tour ended February of last year. What was what was that like touring? Um, I love it. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's it is not as glamorous, obviously, as everybody thinks it is. It's it is a lot of hard work. It's and especially for me, I'm doing mostly like fourteen to eighteen hour days. It depends. Um first Mino's tour, it was definitely on the longer end of that and we were out for nine weeks straight. So being living on a bus with fourteen people for nine weeks straight can obviously be like it, it was amazing, and I loved the experience, Like, and I'm so thankful for it, and I think of it as, like, a literal dream now. Like, I'm like, I can't believe that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has its ups and downs. Like, you don't have any time to yourself. Like, you don't, like, if you're not, if you can't sleep in, like, loudness, like, you're not sleeping. Like, it's, yeah. That's so stressful, though, because, like, that word, that, that tears down your body when you're trying to be productive and and yeah you you need to have a really and you're doing clear six, mind six like eighteen hour days in a row yeah. and then getting one day off so and well, getting used to that I think I think that was the problem for me that tour was I was not used to doing that for that extended period of a time while traveling mm-hmm. yet because all the NASCAR ones are like fly dates or like I go out for like a week and a half or I, like that was the only other touring I'd ever done and then I'd done like a like a week here or like a week here with other stuff but nine weeks going like nine weeks on my first one was like crazy that's insane. but also uh, like also i'll like the best experience of my life like mm-hmm. so much fun so crazy got to see so many cool things got to do so many cool things i would have literally never gotten to do otherwise like just traveling yeah and traveling i got to travel get paid to travel yeah. the world and see music venues and did you go outside of america at all um we went to canada nice yeah cool yeah and um what was like the biggest show you had to mix for the, those tours um we did coachella on the oh, smino tour shoot. both weekends that was crazy to oh do coachella God. was it was insane it was absolutely insane for those listening yasmin is 24 years old <laughs> and yes yes i know she mixed dz fest come on now <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start. Gotta so- start somewhere. <laughs> that taught me a lot because you had me doing ten bands a day, two days in a row. That's a that's what it's like in a very DIY yeah, fashion. Exactly, and that's what. And I, you have to pull it together. We only had it's so hot. much equipment. It was hot. Consoles are <laughs> shutting off. Trevor's out the spinny wheel on the Yamaha. You and I and Tre- I just that the camaraderie. And the fun and the chaos of the sound tent is the thing I'm, I'll miss the most. The like the three it's of us in there is just great. And I'm running around grabbing hot dogs and tacos for everyone. Yeah. And it's just, we're the only ones who truly know like the pain and the stress of like what's really going on behind the scenes, like yeah. what's really going on. And we just keep it to ourselves and we don't, no one knows. Everyone's like, oh, it went well. And we're like, yeah, it went well. Yeah. They, don't, <laughs> they don't know that we had like, this failed, that shut off, yeah. that overheated. It's, and then you went from that to, to NASCAR, to doing shows in the city and being a live sound engineer for other big venues and then doing these big tours in Coachella. How many people were at the, if you can guesstimate, at Coachella when you mixed? Like, at least at the stage you were It was like... Tens of thousands. Yeah. Could not see past it. It was crazy. That's insane. Yeah. It was like, yeah. 
insane. I can't, like, it, as I said, right now it just feels like something that didn't happen. Yeah. But I look back and I'm like, that happened. It's going to happen again I know. I mean, I, your, your, your resume and your connections are probably, you'll get right back into yeah. it. Um, man. So back to what we were saying with NASCAR, because the live sound and audio industry is not, maybe not as old white many, I'm making up words mm. here, as NASCAR, but still, it's still mostly, uh, still mostly yeah, men still in mostly there, that. and that still comes with a lot of issues. Yeah, and I noticed that with touring, too. It, it uh, presents itself pretty much everywhere in my job, but yeah, in touring, especially because I'm going to a different venue every day, I'm not working with people I necessarily know, mm-hmm. so I'm coming into the house venue, I'm talking to their house engineers, they usually just are like, are you the assistant? Are you the tour manager? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can you help me flip my board, please? <laughs> like, giving yeah. them, like, lists of what I need and stuff. So that can be, like, something hard to get over. Is people just, like, I'll walk in and people will be like, okay, who is this? Like, why is she, like, on stage doing stuff right now? And I'm sure there's a small percentage that you can just chalk it up to. They're just not used to seeing yeah. a woman coming in. Yeah. To, like, it, and it, especially not of my age. Like, exactly. I... It, present not present but like i look pretty young like you can tell yeah. that i'm pretty young <laughs> yeah. and yeah and i don't dress like i'm a sound engineer yeah. like i have my tool belt and my black <laughs> polo shirt I got and my, my i got my utility knife and my, and my gaff tape and, and my boots <laughs> like i don't do that i just don't i just dress the way i like to dress and i wear like Air forces and like <laughs> sweatpants which is great yeah be and yourself I, yeah not? exactly like who cares i'm behind the board like it, people just aren't used to it. yeah so people just aren't used to that they're not used to seeing it so i'll just i don't know i just try to like let my mixes speak for themselves and it is cool when i see people be like oh like when i start testing the pa and i'm like doing it well and the people are like oh shoot oh, are you good and i'm like yeah clicks for yeah, them. Yeah, people just don't expect me to be like on top of what I have going on and, yeah. or like have it together or know what I'm doing, so that can be frustrating. It's I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it's like. Um I mean, yeah, it's not an industry that had a lot of women doing front of house stuff. Like I'll go to a lot of venues and I'll see a lot of women on the stage, yeah. stage hands. Um yeah, you go to a, a venue, a lot of the times you'll see women on stage and then you'll see the Women walk around with trays, like serving yeah. drinks. And grow. I've been to a lot of shows growing up, and it was always a guy or two just behind the counter mm-hmm. like every, every single time. time. Every time. Um, so seeing someone young who doesn't look like they're even from here, mm-hmm. and who is dressing funny, yeah. and who's a woman, you're just like you would not go there. And that that is what it is. But as soon as it goes beyond that, when you start belittling or treating someone lesser, that's yeah. when it's like. You can give people the benefit of the doubt just being a little confused about yeah. it, you know? And then it can get a little bad after that yeah. if they don't, like, oh, okay, never mind. That's just the last engineer. Okay, cool. And I've had to put some people in their place, and I'll do it again. You should. <laughs> I will, yeah. yeah. Like, people will come in, and I'll, like, ask for stuff, and they will completely just, like, not do it or, like, not know what I'm talking about. So, like, it's crazy how people or like, it's crazy how little skill sometimes you have, you need to have to get hired at a venue to be honest, mm. from what I've seen. Like, I've Give me seen an example. Some, what kind of little skills? I've seen a lot of, like, first day running monitors. I'm like, damn, you have a tour coming in with 58 inputs. 
Oh boy, I, this can't be your first day, my guy. Like <laughs> I, I need, I need you to know where. Yeah. I remember I was like patching in. I think I was in Texas somewhere. I think I was in Houston. But I was patching in monitors, and this guy was so intent on telling me that I was like I had, because for Smino's show it was I was doing monitors. I had ten stereo in ears, and then a full stage mix. So six monitors across the front, side fills, drum fill, all that, but also doing in ears. Um, so for the like, I would test obviously the like floor monitors every day, and this guy was telling me like I was like this isn't coming like left is coming out of center like this is not. Right, like, and he mm. was like, "No, it's right," and I was like, "No, it's not." Like, and we just like got into it. I don't know, and just I, would, I just hate having to like be like very like firm, and people are like, "She's bitch," like. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> that is a huge problem. Yeah. Um, when women are firm, they're they're called yeah a bitch, or they're called stuck up, or they're called bossy. needy or bossy. bossy. And when a man <laughs> is, you're just like. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he takes initiative. What a, what a, yeah. he's gonna be a CEO. He's a self starter. Yeah, yeah, he's a go getter. He's built different. Like. Um, yeah, I try my best to not do any of that yeah. myself and take it personal if someone else is like just being on top of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a huge problem though. Yeah. It's weird. Exactly. I'm like, I know what I need and I need you to give it to me. Uh, what's wrong with me saying that? Like, no, why is that? Nothing's wrong or, like, with it. No, and, and especially if you say it, you can say things that are firm and direct in a in a nice way. Like I remember like my favorite thing about doing DZ Fest with people like you and Trevor is the trust I have. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about anything on stage. It got to the point by the last two, three years where I just like worried about recording yeah. and I never even asked how you guys set up the monitors, <laughs> how you, like you guys just know what you're doing. It was amazing. And the most advice I ever had to give was five, six hours in, you just be like Oh, I think the guitar is a little quiet. Just like little yeah. things here and like subtle stuff that you start to get listeners. You start to yeah. overthink. Maybe you're worrying about something exactly. else and you miss you it. And you just can't need like... one extra ear to be like, maybe this a little bit. But it's never like, what's your problem? What's yeah. wrong with this? Why aren't you doing that? Turn that up. Get out of the way. Like it's never that. You need to have that trust. And um, for some reason, trusting women with these technical things is like a weird thing and people I have. I don't get that. Like I, don't get I it always have people behind me like, um, uh, I remember we were touring with this one opener. I will not name names, <laughs> but his like music director was there, and he would just hang out at front of house and just be like, "It doesn't sound like the record. Um, the bass doesn't sound like the record." This, uh, and I was just like, "Bro, you're not even like you're the opener," and I was doing this as a favor to you. <laughs> so I just started letting the house engineer deal with that but i just i hate the chatter i like if you have something actually constructive to say i will love to hear it and i would love to listen to it but i hate it when people just get behind me and nitpick and are like mm-hmm. this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong i would do this different i'm like okay well you're not doing this so mm-hmm. that's also the wrong way to word a, yeah. a constructive criticism exactly you can be like hey it sounds great i think the uh, the lead guitar can come up just a little bit. Yeah. It sounds a little bare. Like, that's it. Everything sounds great. You could say things exactly. quickly and efficiently. And people also don't understand, it's not supposed to sound like the record. It can't. It's, it can't. It's, it's literally it's impossible. impossible. <laughs> it's not so, like, it's... Is it in a controlled yeah. studio with, with exactly. acoustic treatment? No. And all the respect for, like, the stuff you do, but I most of the time, it is always, like, just recording engineers that are in my ear about this kind of stuff. And I'm mm. like, you don't understand the physics of being in the air with this now. Mm-hmm. We are not in a controlled room. You mm-hmm. don't have the same mics you're using every time. Like, 
I like I know my positioning doesn't look like what you would position it to get like the warmest and brightest sound, but this is how it's going to sound the best through these. It's got, going through reinforcement literally, in yeah. a different place with a hundred bodies. Exactly. It's different. Air, like microphones, you have like, yeah, you just, there's just so much other stuff to worry about that like I'm like, I can't have it, like it's impossible for me to make it sound like the record and like, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, that's, yeah. Would you agree with this advice? Um, anybody's going into live sound, do some studying, maybe even take a couple classes or read a book about recording absolutely like actually and then vice versa if you're going into audio production and, and studio recording learn a little bit you don't have to do a yeah. lot but like learn the fundamentals of both so like when i do live sound stuff i actually really don't when i'm in that place the most advice i ever get is subtle like like i would say like uh the maybe like turn the guitar below the vocals like the back of vocals are mm. a little quiet like that's it because i get there's a huge difference. I only know so much in that field. Yeah. And the person I'm working with, whether it's you or Trevor or somebody else, like they know more because that's what they do. Yeah. And who am I? Like, they're not going to come in like you didn't record the levels exactly. on that. That hi hat looks a little quiet in the in the in yeah. logic, you know. And exactly, and it's like we're there to listen to you get what like listen to your music's aesthetic, process that as fast as we can, and try to give you the best thing based on your feedback and what like you want to like your sound to sound like Mm -hmm. so yeah it's always like that and i always find that it's easier for live sound engineers to go into recording than it is for recording engineers to go into live sound because there's a lot of stuff you have to kind of unlearn from recording Mm -hmm. to like be able to process the idea like the signal like the way signal flow works in live sound you're absolutely right yeah it's it's way harder like what i know about live sound is like 10%, 5% 10%, 5% of what like an actual live sound engineer knows. And what you probably know about recording and production is probably 20, 30, 40, 50% already yeah. just based on the fundamentals of physics, recording, signal flow, mic placement, those types of things. Exactly. And now even too, like for all my artists that I tour with, like I record their whole show multi-track every night because mm. a lot of bands like to have that to listen to, practice, feedback, listen. To, it's like football teams watching tape. Yeah, no, but, you're right. Yeah, Smino's band used to do that every night. Our front of house engineer would record that, and I started doing that myself. And I would just send the file to the band. Or like, I'll just send a mix. But then I also have the stems in case they want to release a live album. Right. And then, hey, look, you released a, you're a major artist that released a live album that I recorded. Yeah. It works you, you for me. And I get credit for that. And I get credit for that. And it's another thing that you can learn how to do and exactly. get better at. So, yeah, That's great. I think it's really important to know at least a little bit of both if or at least a li- if you specialize in one to know a little bit about the other. I agree. And to know, honestly, a little bit about music. Yeah. No, yeah. It blows my mind when some engineers aren't musicians or don't know anything yeah, about music. That blew my mind the most about my college program, about how few ma- people like actually studied music beyond just being like, I played guitar in high school. Yeah. Like, Well, there's a lot of psychology behind yeah. it. You learn if you, like you're um, uh, a musician and mm-hmm. I am as well. So when you you learn how to talk to musicians because you understand how to relate exactly. and they want more stuff in their modern, you understand like everyone wants to hear themselves. It's the psychology exactly. of being a musician. So you can kind of relate and be like, all right, all right, you learn how to talk to them. If you're just a tried and true engineer and you're like, I don't understand why they need this, then it's like exactly. you're not getting into what their heads. And then that's, at. I think, why there's so much distrust between engineers and musicians is because you're just getting this person who doesn't really know much about music telling you, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, no, I need this. And I... 
specifically when I started kind of branching out from being just a musician into also doing audio, I was like, I specifically want to be an engineer. So I am not like that. Like mm -hmm. I want to be like the bridge between the musicians and their sound. Like I want to be like, I've, and the cool thing is like with all the bands I've toured with, I feel like part of the band. They like make me in like, they make me feel like part of the band right. because. That's a great, that I want to break down that statement. That is so important. The the live sound engineer should be the extra member of your band. Mm -hmm. They really should yeah. be. Not so much like a studio engineer, but the live sound engineer really should yeah, be. Yeah, we're on the same team. We're trying to make the same thing happen. And like without me, the show doesn't happen. Without you, the show doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So we need each other. Like, And you alter the timbre of what they put out. Mm -hmm. You Someone has a voice, but in order for it to be stable on stage and to get projected into yeah. a, a, an acoustic environment, you have to manipulate certain things. So you, you're you playing your own instrument to guide their instruments, mm -hmm. you know? It's it's very important, yeah. and it gets overlooked, that balance of, like, being on the same team. And uh, that one after those record we did, um, Trevor knows us really well, and he knows, like, experimental sound, mm -hmm. he knows instruments. So he, I always said, like, he was the sixth person in that band yeah, that night, absolutely. you know? Because he, like, cultivated the sound that we were yeah, making into the crowd. manipulates the effects, and that's a part of the the full, like experience of mm -hmm. it is like tapping the delay yeah. moving up and down yeah, reverb yeah, exactly and i think that also comes with like knowing music because to get to be able to use effects like appropriately i feel like a lot of people are just like reverb <laughs> delay and like compress compression i'm just going to turn up the compression i was talking to my friend about this the other day about how sick we are of just hearing like overly compressed stuff and we realize it's just because a lot of people don't really know what compression is so they're mm -hmm. like i'm just going to turn it up till i can hear it and then mm -hmm. it's just like squashed you're absolutely correct the the biggest thing i hear from my students is they say when we go over mixes in mm -hmm. my class They'll say that oh, I put the usual on, which means <laughs> usual. EQ reverb compression, day. reverb, <laughs> like those three things, if not just EQ compression. And I go, not everything needs those things. No. In fact, when properly recorded well, if you have the right acoustic space with the right musician, with the right amp and guitar, and they got the right tone with the right microphone at the right angle of incidence and proximity effect and all these things, you don't even need EQ or compression nope. at all. And you shouldn't have it. The world does not have compression. Less is more. Less is more. It, at worst case scenario, subtractive EQ. Like, keep it simple. Yeah. Um, you don't have to overdo it. Those things are tools to help guide or polish things that absolutely need it under certain circumstances. Yeah. But not everything does. Not everything needs it. And certain frequency ranges need them more than others, and some don't. Mm -hmm. And that that t that comes with a lot of experience and paying attention to your craft. But it is a serious problem that is in the music industry, like the loudness war of music. <laughs> and I always tell people. Why would an acoustic guitar by itself with a, a singer singing softly mm. and then a whole drum kit, strings, three guitars, bass, and backup vocals come in and yet it's only three decibels louder? Yeah. That's not even possible. No. So why why would I translate that through a recording? I want that to be a 12 decibel difference. Yeah. A 16 a big, decibel like, difference. Yeah, it needs an to be actual dynamic, dynamic change <laughs> yeah. of something coming in. So I hate when things get remastered in audio and they do just, that. It's like all one level. Just, just a chunk. Yeah. Just a chunk of string cheese. I just get so upset yeah. with it. But I'm, you know, it's, we're going up curtain with that because it's not the way a lot of music is made. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not anyone's real fault. It's a byproduct of the last decade of recording yeah, in room really accessible and not now. really knowing a lot of the fundamentals of how these things work, yeah. you know, and it is what it is, but I try to backpedal that and inform 
my students or anybody I work with on those things. And, and like a lot of artists, I consider myself an artist, you're going to have your own take on how to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, not with live sound because you can get feedback and a lot of issues, yeah. there is not always a right or wrong way to do certain no, things. definitely not. Sometimes it's, it's a preference. very subjective. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is subjective. And even live sound is very subjective. Like I'm never going to make everybody in the audience like how it sounds. Right. Ever. It's not possible. Right. Because everybody here is completely different. But, or they're standing in a different pl- yeah, spot. Yeah, standing in different spots. They're standing on balconies. They're standing on the floor. Like they're three beers deep. That changes your hearing. Like... They're like, high. You're high. It changes your hearing. <laughs> They're on acid. Who knows? <laughs> Literally. Like, it all changes They're your hearing. They're seeing their hearing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you already have permanent hearing damage or something. Like, it just always... But I shoot... I'm like, if 80%, I'm happy. That's, like, a very realistic, like, mm-hmm. 80 to 90%. I know 10% just by definition and just by, like, the way I know that nobody here is exactly the same, maybe are not going to like it or going to have something to say about it. Yeah. And it took me a while to get over that because I wanted to be like, I want everybody to love my mix. I want it to be perfect. I want it to sound amazing. And then I would do shows that I was like, that sounded so crazy. Like that was my best show I've ever done. And then mm-hmm. people are like, mm, like coming up to the booth, like turn the guitar up. I'm like, like random people in the crowd? Yeah. I people get that. do that? I get it all the time. Now, let me ask you this. Oh do God. you see that happen when a, a man is mixing? No, I've gotten a beer thrown at me. What? Yeah. And what is it? It was like some punk band. They're a Chicago punk band. Of course. Some These s- punk rockers and their beers throwing. This white guy with dreads threw the beer at me too. I was like, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I like, That's terrible. Out. Yeah. Man. Yeah, at a console, I'm sitting at a $50,000 <laughs> Soundcraft VI6. Oh, and, and someone throws a beer. Throws a beer at me. No one said anything. Turn this the guy? guitar up, you bitch. I'm like, no, no one says anything. And that's ultimately why I quit uh, a venue that is downtown right under Marina City Towers. Yasmin, that is awful. Security sometimes is not looking out, which is another thing I want to bring light to. Yeah, let's talk about that. They need to stop finding people who are smoking pot. Venue security. (laughs) And worry about things like that. Especially on tour is always like on bullshit with me. And it's for the same thing as that I don't look like an engineer. They think I'm sneaking back to go find my favorite artist and like cause mischief. And I'm like, I just want to go eat some chips in the (laughs) office, please. I just want my cheesy fries. Since four in the morning, like literally like, like I have 10 minutes to go sit down. So let me just do that. Um, So the, uh, the, the classic mansplaining yeah. occurs a lot to yeah, you. Yeah, and I've been stuck in, like, later, literally, like, between bands stuck in, like, the pit, like, at House of Blues, and, like, had people screaming just horrible things, and, like, you can't cut in front of me! Like, stop! Like, trying to, like, push me, move me, and I'm like, security, hello, can anybody help me? Like, and the security is aware of who you are and what your job is. Sometimes. Mm. And that, that's, again, why I kind of quit. But, yeah, we had an incident where I was going to the bathroom and a security guard pulled me from the back. And I was like, excuse me? And I was like, what are you doing? He was like, you can't go. I was like, I work here. I'm also literally have been here all day. And I'm literally doing front of house. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not – I didn't just start here. I'm not new. I've been here for three years, like – and, yeah, I got into it with the GM. We were screaming at each other in the pit, and I quit. Wow. Because – you shouldn't put up with stuff like that. No, you shouldn't. And I'm, I was sick of putting up with stuff like that. So, 
man, I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, and it was just a lot of incidents like that. Like I got pulled off of a truck during a loadout while I was hands on a case because they thought I was a fan trying to sneak into the truck. And it's all because yep. you're a woman. Yep. Wow. I was like, I've been working with you all day, all day. This was during loadout, the entire day. That's crazy because I've been doing things in this world for a very long time, and I've not once ever had anything ever happen I've to me, ever. I've been manhandled so many times. <sighs> Venues I've guested at, like... What I, about, like, DIY stuff, DIY spots? What about it? Like, has, has that ever happened in those locations? Um, there are a couple places <laughs> where I've done sound. Not here, never here. That's at, right. Like, the people who, like, own their, like, cute little... PA DR are like, you're not doing this right. You're going to turn the bass up. And I'm like, okay, you're paying me $50. Like, chill out. But I don't know. Yeah. And you've ran sound and done your own DIY thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I run an event space with my two roommates called Kip Studios. That's a really cool spot, too. Yeah. Remember that, that like, cheese and wine hors d'oeuvre little gathering we had? That was our opening. It was right before quarantine, right? No, it was in November. Oh, it was in November? Yeah. Of I remember year. it was right before I went on tour. Right. But, yeah, we're an immersive warehouse loft in Bucktown. Immersive. We're an immersive warehouse loft space. You can book our space at www.peerspace.com for all your music video needs. Quick plug. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's been really cool. We had a couple shows that I've ran sound for there before, and... I love doing that because it's my house. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel I yeah. feel on that one. Yeah. Nothing better than not having to leave your house. Exactly. <laughs> Had some equipment provided by Ben. Well, of course. The best. Anytime, anytime. Thank you. They just Appreciate the the two X there twos just sit there. I can't believe that. <laughs> I love it. The, the, my house is just I'll covered in gear. <laughs> of course, anytime. Um, wow. So you you. We'll we'll forget that quarantine happened. Yeah. So you run a, your own DIY spot to. where you have events. <laughs> all right, we all would, right? You run your own DIY spot where you run. Oh, you have shows, events. You run the sound. Mm-hmm. You did sound at a bunch of venues. Sound for NASCAR. Your your own musician. You've played on people's mm-hmm. records. You've played with other artists. So you you like your scope from being a saxophonist to a DIY spot and everything in between. You do you do a lot. Yeah. All by the ripe age of 24. My, my life. I and love toured. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Touring is, yeah, I really can't wait for that to come back. This year I had a lot of stuff booked that obviously got canceled. Yeah. And this was going to be my like, first year of full touring with artists. And I'm bummed that I didn't get to have that. But I hope it will come back soon because I definitely don't want to do it forever. Right. It's a young person's yeah, it's game. Definitely, like, it's definitely not something I want to be doing like past 30, I don't think. No. Yeah. I, I could not do that now. Best case scenario, I would do like a one week tour with my own band, yeah, like in a van, and like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't do the behind the scenes thing, like it, what you were explaining. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you, like just literally just the traveling aspect of it, because traveling in general just makes me exhausted sometimes. And to just go from place to place to place, and you're sleeping in this little cabin, mm-hmm. like this little like it's literally we call them the coffins. I was just saying, it's like a coffin. It's literally like a coffin. And <laughs> I remember on this Mino tour, the heat. Or, like, the AC in my coffin didn't work for the first six weeks. So I had, like, the most miserable time sleeping. 
Like I just could not sleep because I was so hot because they have these like leather curtains basically that block out all the light. Mm -hmm. So you get in your coffin, you pull your leather curtain back and you sit there and you just roast if there's no, you have like a little vent by your face for that the AC is supposed to come out of, but heat just came out of mine and. But yeah, it can get, it's a lot to get used to, like that kind of lip, cause you're just sleeping on like, it's yeah. three, it's 12 people in a hallway. What are the smells like? It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. You just smell feet all I the I instantly time. thought of smell. It's like just feet. Yeah. Coffin smell. Yeah. So um, it's like, yeah, six and then six. And it's literally just like a hallway, the width of this table, maybe it's more narrow. And is it just, is it just like these harsh conditions because of financial reasons? I mean, it's not harsh. Like, the buses are nice. Like, right, right. These are, like, very nice. And, like, there's a lounge in the back, and then there's, like, a lounge in the front. Maybe the sleeping yeah, conditions are harsh. Yeah, the sleeping conditions are harsh, but it's, like, you have to move around 12 to 14 people from city to city every day. Yeah. And it's still very expensive, but it is, like, the most cost-effective way, way to do, do that it, yeah. and also be able to carry, like, all the gear under the bus or have a trailer attached to the bus. and. Mm-hmm do that so do you think that's why the longevity of a music career can kind of be short because of how unless you're making big yeah because those buses are expensive like a bus for a six-week tour is like 80 racks or 80k or eighty thousand dollars for those who don't know (laughs) (laughs) you're just saying every slang but what the actual money is you know 50 large 80 large 80k yeah like is starting at eighty thousand dollars for Six weeks. So, yeah, take that out of your bu- – that's, like, the first thing. And then you have to pay people. Mm-hmm. And people make anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand a week, mm-hmm. or depending, or a day, or I don't know. I'd charge by the week, so. One of my favorite things to do sometimes, just for fun, is to reach out to bands I know I can't get to play DZ Fest <laughs> just to hear their managers <laughs> tell me their price. And I'm like <laughs> – like, I won't name bands, but I've na- I've reached out to ones. I'm like, there's no way. There's like, they're like, oh, it's $50,000 just to play the one show. I'm like – <laughs> I'm sick. Hey, I'm just. I'm glad they got back to me. Yeah, that's but cool. like, yeah, no. Th- I mean, it is what it is. Man, the touring world—it's it's so over—it's so overlooked by like fan goers, you know, and, and attendees. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, like I saw them; they were great. Glamour, and then you you yeah. go home to your house. They're gonna go on their cool bus, yeah. and it's like we're gonna all go on this bus together mm-hmm. and sit like this and eat whatever we could find on Uber Eats, and then you can't use the bathroom on the bus. Like there's a, (laughs) that's like the craziest thing about touring to me is there's a bathroom obviously and you can pee in it, but you can't number two in it. Poop. Yeah, poop. You can't poop in it. There's like a net Mm -hmm. in the thing. So no poop. No poop. So like (laughs) just like you get to know people very closely and very well, like living in that kind of condition where it's just like, like I was telling Ben earlier, I got diagnosed with Crohn's um, disease this year and was on tour. I got, yeah, that was like right before I went on the second leg of a tour. And I got real close with the bus driver because I'd be like, you got to find me a place to use the bathroom, my guy. Like, It's a whole inside mixture going on. exactly. You wake up in the coffin, you're like, (laughs) wake up in the (laughs) coffin. Forever. Let's just refer to the coffin. I'll forever know what what you're talking about. The coffin. The wake up in the coffin. I'm like, it's, it's so dark. You jump down. I always take the top bunk. I've fallen out of my bunk a couple times while sleeping. That was that's been crazy. Wow. What what what? Who got to pick what levels to sleep? Was it just random or who first Usually come first serve? It's like when the bus pulls up, you just throw your bag into the one you want. Yeah. And I like I have a phobia of sleeping like under people on bunk beds, so I mm. always take. The heat top rises bunk. though. You were yeah, talking about heat. exactly. But on the last one, I went. My AC worked. <laughs> 
You know, that's one of the biggest things I missed from this quarantine uh, was the touring bands that would come mm-hmm. here. I was so... I don't have the experience you have, but I'm aware of how yeah. treacherous it is. And I was always happy to like stay the night here. Take, take a, a shower. shower. <laughs> I'll feed you some food. Make you good coffee. Like yeah. rest, stretch, have a space, go for a run. Run like, around in the backyard. Yeah, let's yeah. have some fun. We'll talk talk to someone new besides the same people you've been stuck in a van with for weeks yeah. on end. And that was that's something I miss a lot is having the touring bands from around the country come here and giving them mm-hmm. places to change, do their laundry. Yeah. Like, Laundry, oh my god. It's All so those list. things, like, you know? Yeah, doing laundry on tour is the most stressful. <laughs> I paid, like, a dumb amount of money to, like, just have it done, like, on, like, a day off mm-hmm. at, like, a wash and fold. Like, it just puts you in situations where you're, like, banging on the door after a venue's closed because somebody left their, like, stuff in the dryer. Mm. It's just, yeah. Man. So having a place to do laundry is... Very appreciated. Well, for those tour. listening, respect bands, artists, and the engineers involved when you go places because they're they don't live in that city you live in. No, they they could be three thousand miles away. Yeah, <laughs> it's stressful. Yeah, and they're not sleeping well. And as you know, your your hearing and your perception of sound mm-hmm. changes if you're exhausted, yeah, sleep exhaustion. Definitely. So like. It's that's already stressful. So you don't need people throwing beers at you and telling you to turn this up and turn yeah, that. Don't down. be an asshole. <laughs> Mostly, no. yeah, just yeah. And like nobody, no, nobody comes up to you at your job and tells you how to do it. So I don't know why people think it's okay to do that to yeah. sound engineers. It's, that's it's it, their it job. Boggles my mind. Yeah, like it boggles my mind how many people just come up to me on it's like it's normal to me now. Wow. And it's be- I know it's because of the way I look and people are surprised. They're like, you know what all the buttons do on that thing? I'm like, you know, that's Christ. a potentiometer, right? Literally. I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, I used to use one of those back in the day with my band. I'm like, okay, cool. Next. Like, man. So how, what percentage of times when you go somewhere does something like that happen? Like 80%. 80%. Yeah, almost all the time. Oh. Yeah. It's cringy. That it's really cringy. cringy. That it's hurts. really cringy. Yeah. It I just, hurts. I just keep. I don't do this, but I just like keep apologizing to you because I'm just like, God, what is wrong with people? Yeah, Why you, I don't know. You're right. No one goes somewhere like, you know, you're an accountant. This, you're yeah, not counting exactly. those numbers, right? I'm not right? going to show up at your job on Monday morning and be like, are you sure you're doing that right? Like, <laughs> So like, get away from me. Like, leave me alone. There's a booth around me for a reason. It's so you can't come in and talk to me. Oh my God, I have a great story. Tell it. Send it. <laughs> I was in San Francisco on the Xavier Omar tour and- I usually on that tour would just, I would shower in between soundcheck and the show. So I would like put on the playlist after soundcheck, like mute everything and then just like let the playlist play for like two or three hours or two hours until the show started. And I would go take my shower and all that. And then, so I was coming back from that to start the show and this kid is bent over the barricade with his hands on the trackpad of my laptop. And I was like, and I have the music for the, like the room is filled with like 2,000 people. The PA is playing the music. I'm like, if he hits the space bar, if he does anything, it's cut. Like, Mm -hmm. and that makes me look bad. And I don't like when stupid stuff like that goes wrong because there's no reason for Mm -hmm. a playlist to cut off, like a pre-show playlist to cut off and there'd be dead air in the room. Like Mm -hmm. there's just, that's rookie stuff. And who was this person? Just a fan. Just went onto yeah, your thing. Went onto my thing. I was like, sc- I was like, what are you doing? Like, get off my laptop. He's like, is this your music? Are you the DJ? Are you playing this? And just like has his hands on my laptop. And I'm like, security. 
like, what? Like, come help me. Like, this is ridiculous. And they're like, what's going on here? I'm like, can you get this man off of my laptop? Like, like bent over the barricade. Like, Some people just don't understand. Where do you think that's, like, okay to, like... Touch anybody's yeah, face like you're that. at a concert. You see stuff literally fenced. And you think it's okay to go in and touch the laptop that's right next to the mm-hmm. console and the lighting console and all that stuff? No. I, my mind was blown by that. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. Your story reminds me of the well, the reason why I started putting a rope three feet around the sound stage. Yeah, yeah. Because people kept asking to charge their phones there. I know. Oh, my God. I and I'm like, do you not see the spaceship we have I'm here? like, do you not see that we're running power out of Ben's window? Like, this Un- cannot take your phone. <laughs> Underground through the windows. <laughs> Literally digging like a uh, a trench to lay the... <laughs> Yeah. Power cables that are literally plugged into your upstairs bedroom. Men need to understand that women can do yeah. a lot. They just need to keep to themselves mostly. They can do jobs just Anything. as equal. Yeah. And I have this shirt. If not better, in, it, if, if they're better at it, then better. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The gender. Exactly. The and I think... A lot of female engineers are inherently better because we have to be so, like, focused on details and have every little thing so together that, like, because if I mess up one thing, it's, like, a hundred people are on me. Like, yeah. you fuck this up. You, sorry, I don't know if I, I know I've been already swearing, but. Oh, I don't care. Okay, cool. Freedom of speech and <laughs> expression speech. is real, I think. Yeah, uh, I At least I think we forgot it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> um... Yeah, so it's just, I don't know, people, like, it's as soon as I make one mistake, it's, like, spotlight is on me for making that mistake. So I always am, like, extra, extra conscious of every little detail. And I know a lot of other female engineers I know are exactly like that. Do you think that's, like, a big reason why a lot of women tend to not go into certain fields just for the scrutiny, just to kind of avoid it? It's Like a a defense mechanism? Yeah, and I've had points where I've been, like... fuck this I don't want to do this anymore I'm so sick of just being like belittled and berated and yelled at for doing a good job like Mm -hmm. I'm not a bad engineer and I know that like Mm -hmm. and I just I hated when people would tell me otherwise or like think that they could and it got to me like it it, it's I'm sure it will still get to me in the future um but I know a lot of like women especially like younger women who's because the pretty much the only way into this is to stagehand and especially if you're a woman like they're gonna put they're not gonna let you just start mixing unless you have like really really good credentials but honestly i have good credentials and people have wanted me to start as a state chan which is mm-hmm. honestly ridiculous yeah it's insulting it is insulting and mm-hmm. yeah the i don't know people will like lowball me and be like uh give you 43 dollars for this overnight loadout i'm like i'm not ground stacking st- like subs i didn't get into this to like do grunt work. Mm-hmm. I got into this to do sound. Mm-hmm. And it's important to pay your dues, and I paid my dues. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of stagehand work at the beginning, um, pushed a lot of cases. I've hurt myself doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Grunt work comes with it. Yeah, exactly. Sure yeah, it comes with it. But I think a lot of women get discouraged and are like, do I just have to put up with this forever? And if you're not really like, I need to move up like now, like I can do this. And if you're not like absolutely 100% con- – like I've only – been able to move up because I'm like move I'm ready mm-hmm. or like what else needs to get like I'm on top a of a go getter exactly if you don't have that like it's unfortunately like you'll just get looked over for to get like promoted or to get time on the 
console or stuff like that. So I know it definitely can discourage a lot of people and especially a lot of women. Yeah. And yeah, it, as it's even definitely discouraged me at plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Like just hearing, like getting a beer thrown at me, like do, that doesn't make me want to come to work again. Right. And I've been there all day and it was a good, sh- like ultimately everything worked. It was a good show. Like, it, yeah, it just, it can be a bummer to, I don't know, just receive that sometimes. So if you had to give advice to women going into this industry, what, what would you say? Ignore everybody. Ignore it all. Ignore it Move all. Move forward. Move forward. Listen, to the, there's going to be people that want to help you and there's going to be people who are just going to try and like get into your head and tell you you're not shit because they don't think you know anything, but you know plenty. And there might be something even worse, people who just want to get in your pants. Yeah, that is also a real unfortunate part of the business. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are just like, hey, so what's good? Mm-hmm. I'm like nothing. I'm here to work. Bye. Yeah. Like I'm going to make my money and I'm going to go home. And yeah, it, it's it's really discouraging in that way. And I really hope that especially when we come back into it, I, the industry is never going to be the same again. And I really hope that we start to change that. And it comes more with the higher, like people in like bigger touring companies, people in like labels, people on like other music business. We just need to transition it into like we need more women in those jobs because mm-hmm. it's not fair that like you can get to a certain point and then just because like you won't like sleep with someone or like go out with somebody that like you can just be totally passed up for an opportunity and it's fine. No one will like bat an eyelash at that. It's it's crazy because it transcends almost every industry. Yeah. Obviously a huge problem in the film industry. Yeah. The music industry, it's been a problem. A lot of things have come out with labels. Um, it's one of the biggest things that I always try to be aware of. Like, mm-hmm. so many women come in through here that yeah. I work with, and I always try to like, even just being being single. I'm like, I I yeah. never want to ever even try or do that yeah. just to keep it. I want. I know what it's like to be a musician and an artist, but I'm a man. Yeah, and I want the the women that are doing it to have that ability to be free and have a place, exactly. and not have to worry about some guy. Yeah, trying to creep on. Them. You know, I try to keep it as cordial as possible always and just yeah. keep it, keep Make it, it fair, comfortable. keep comfortable. Yeah, because it's, it's annoying when you have to be, like, hyper aware of your work and you're very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've gone through that plenty of times where I'm just like, I hate the people I'm working with because they're f- weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, I don't know, like, people have been like, I've been like, hey, can you take a picture of me, like, on this, like, tower that, like, because I'm doing some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And they'd be like, take your shirt off. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, shut up. Why would you say that? Like, like I'm working. Uh, like, you wouldn't say that to your buddy Tom. Like, you wouldn't say it to your mom. You wouldn't or your say sister, that to your mom your or daughter. sister. So, like, let me do my job. And I want a cool picture of me on top of the scoreboard tower. Okay. Scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I got to climb the scoreboard tower at NASCAR this year, and that was really Whoa. cool. Did it, yeah. did they know you're doing that? It was it's COVID. Nobody <laughs> it's know, COVID. Nobody's around. That was the cool thing. I got to do two NASCAR gigs this year. Unfortunately, the rest of the season was canceled or like they s- squashed the team to really mm. really small. So oh, where was they, the biggest track you ever worked for NASCAR? Uh, probably Michigan. It's a two mile oval. Wow. Yeah, and I think it seats like eighty thousand people. Oh my god. Well, they're going like what, like one hundred and eighty, two hundred, like one seventy, one seventy. Yeah. The Easy fastest peasy. I've seen is like 201. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. And loud. And it's cool. You get to see like cars that are on fire. Like, 
I've luckily never seen anybody get like really hurt, but my bosses have told me they've been around for races where people have passed in that. Oh. Is like a weird concept to me. Just watching someone die. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah. Yeah. And people are like, he died doing what he loved. And that's like, the, I'm like, bro, it's not that deep. Like, yeah. He's in a car. You like, do also shouldn't have to die yeah. doing something you Yeah. Love it's either. gotten way safer as a sport. Of course. Yeah. But. Formula One and NASCAR. People still it's die so every couple yeah, no, years. It definitely but happens. It's so much safer. Yeah. So that, yeah, is always just like, the weirdest it's the weirdest experience i think i've ever had yeah that, I continually mean, and continue. you probably didn't think when you were going to school for a license like i'm gonna do nascar yeah no i never <laughs> thought i would get into like sports the sports broadcast side of like audio ever and then i got the job and i was like well pays my bills it's important though yeah. like when you watch a football or basketball game there's the guys with the yeah the the um recording the sound everywhere with those big what I've heard the name of them. The shotgun mics. Yeah, but yeah. with the 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 um like con- concave like um oh yeah like umbrella yeah. to def- uh, in like deflect the sound. I I've never even used one. I forget yeah, the names I've, of those things. The yeah. technical name for them, by the way. But uh, yeah, the sound everywhere. And they're blending the players talking mm-hmm. with the crowd, and with the, the coach, with the announcers, with and the it's music. All wireless. It's all, yeah, yeah, all wireless. All wire- it's a lot of RF coordination and stuff too. We have mics on like all the like. Qu- turns of mm-hmm. the, on the wheel fence we have like stereo pairs everywhere <laughs> everywhere um yeah so you can hear them like how's that go <laughs> yeah it's yeah my boss falls asleep to it now because he's been doing this for like 30 years so he'll be <laughs> is his hearing okay yeah well he's just been... he sits in the booth okay yeah okay he's chilling Man, so you said the music industry will never be the same. What say like the vaccine is foolproof and mm-hmm. it works? What what will be different about it? You think? Um, well, first of all, with the vaccine, they want to do the vaccine passport thing. I don't know if you saw that. Live Nation wants to roll out this app, basically, where you have to have proof of being vaccinated to start coming to concerts again. I heard a little bit about this, yeah. but I don't know much about it. I don't know too much about it beyond that, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually going to happen or if that's, like, legal for them to actually do, like, to base admittance no on idea. vaccination status. I don't think so. But they own everything, so <laughs> who knows? They have a monopoly on it. They really do. Yeah. I, especially on my first tour, I it was, like, I, like, joked it was, like, the now acquired by Live Nation tour because it was all these venues that had either just been acquired by Live Nation or were getting acquired by Live Nation in three weeks or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Live Nation is the devil. They're the Amazon of concerts. They are the Amazon of concerts, <laughs> and they pay their people really badly. And that's how. I, when when I hear that, I always go, well, "That's how they became that." Yeah. Like in order to own and be the most lucrative monopoly, you have to not pay people well. Yeah. So and you as can a f- own it all. Yeah. As a former Live Nation employee, I can attest that they are really horrible to their people. Yeah. Yeah. Like <sighs> they took our <laughs> they took our meals away. We used to have five dollar meals. Or $3 meals, then they made them $5 meals, and then they were like, nope, you just have to pay for your food now. $5 meals, breaking the bank. Breaking the bank, yeah. How do you afford it? They're like, $3, no, five, and then like a month later, they were like, none. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, cool. You obviously don't care. When you. Health um, insurance is garbage. Oh, they had health insurance, though, but but it's it's not good. $400 for like a basic plan. Mm. Like, okay, but you pay people $14 an hour, like. $15 $15 an hour. They told me I was capped. I capped out. I'm very transparent about how much money I make. I think that's very important and very important for women in the music industry because I feel like a lot of, they're like, don't talk about your salary. 
yeah, and I just think that's stupid because that's just a way to manipulate people mm-hmm. and not pay people as much. And mm-hmm. I've found out at other jobs that people who had been working there way less time than me had been making way more money than me. Mm. So now I'm very like transparent. But they told me I capped out at the most sound engineers can make at $16.35. Are you serious? Yes. That's You can a get joke. a job at Aldi in the Chicagoland area for fourteen fifty. dollars Yeah. Hour. And I was like, I have a degree. I'm a friend of house engineer. Your shows don't happen without me. And they were like, yeah. nope, you're capped up. Why? Yeah. What? Like, you should be getting 30-something a dollar yeah. an hour. And pretty much everywhere else I work, that's about between 25 and 30 an yeah. hour. I mean, you're making the show happen. Literally. Literally. <laughs> like, Literally. They, you and have you're to be there. you're a billion-dollar corporation, and you can't pay people mm-hmm. more than that. They're like, yep, and you can get a 30-cent raise every year. At oh, the gosh. end of the year. Not allowed to get it at all. Like, it was only eligible at the middle of the year. That's terrible. Yeah. And then I, we weren't allowed to talk about our salaries there. Talked to friends who had been working there longer than I had. They were making like 11 bucks. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, what? How do they, how do people stay there? And it's just they get because, stuck to yeah, it? Because, yeah, you want the opportunity to, like, House of Blues is a cool venue. Like, you get a lot of cool acts coming through. Like, I've mixed Hannibal Beerus there. Like, I, like, just crazy things I never, like, shows I never thought I'd be able to just, like, sit on the side of the stage and do. Like, mm-hmm. some of my, like, like, I've done, like, Big Crit and Rhapsody, and I've seen Weezer there. Like, I've worked a Weezer show there. Like, Juanes, like, all these, like, because they have a lot of, like, private parties, too, and they'll rent bigger artists. Like, they had the Jonas Brothers one time <laughs> I was working. Like, but people want those opportunities, and they're willing to just, like, I guess settle. And if it's, you don't know what everybody else around you is making, and you're this is your first job as a stagehand, you're like, okay, well, I guess that sounds right because I'm getting this cool opportunity. When in reality, you're doing a lot of labor. You're unloading trucks. You are setting stuff up. You are climbing ladders. You are climbing trusts. Like, you are doing a lot of dangerous physical labor. So you deserve to be compensated appropriately for that. But they just frame it in the aspect of, like, you're getting this crazy opportunity to do something that nobody else gets to do, and that's not—it's not, it's not the right yeah. And I think that's like across the industry in general. Like in general, people are very like, Shh, or like, there's companies here in the city that I remember a lot of people I know who started like working around the same time we worked for that made you do ten free shows. You had to work ten free shows as an internship before they would hire you at I think like twelve dollars an hour. Hmm. Ten free shows, ten. I Ten could, nights. That's so like. Yeah. That's like thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. That's it's even like eleven bucks an hour. Like, I'm sure they could afford to pay an intern eleven dollars an yeah. hour. Yeah. That's not no, a big exactly. deal at all. That's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're breaking my heart. I know it's sad. It's no, it's sad. good. People need to hear yeah, this. Yeah, people need to hear this, and it needs to be uncovered because I'm just sick of people being like, "Well, uh, if if you do one show and it all goes well, we can pay you fourteen dollars." Mm-hmm. regularly and i'm like what who no like yeah it's like what we were saying earlier how the engineer's kind of like the yeah. member of the band mm-hmm. bo the dog is barking he Hi, probably bo. hears I us he's like i, I want to see what's going on in Hi, bo. bo we love you um they're kind of like the, the the last member of the band yet the bands will get their mm-hmm. compensation. It could be thousands of dollars. If they're yeah. big enough, like the bigger bands you're in, yeah. tens of thousands of dollars. And then you get your 12 bucks an hour. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> oh, how is that fair? It's like, not fair. It's not fair at all. And, it, and then 
on top of the 12 bucks an hour, you're probably getting yelled at about something because mm-hmm. someone was unhappy about something that is wildly subjective. Yeah. Not your fault at all. Not, not my fault. Like, How many um, younger guys are doing the mansplaining and, the, and talking down to you or saying stuff to you? Or is it more like older guys? It's more older guys. I'm lucky in the fact that most engineers I know from Chicago I went to school with because mm. we have a great live sound program So, and one of like the only ones in the country. So when people go to school to do live sound here, they usually just stay in Chicago because there's a lot of venues and a lot of work. So I'm lucky enough that a lot of the younger people I have met or I know through school and kind of know that I do good work and like trust me and are like, and even some that like look up to me from when I was a teaching assistant. And I have a lot of people like, like younger engineers, like they're great. And like the younger, the younger male generation is like, gives me more hope. Sometimes it's like when people I don't know, like touring I'll notice more sometimes they're like a little skeptical of me but generally like are between like 20 to 35 is like mostly chill it's getting better it's getting better it's a taught learned yeah societal thing. outside of my bubble it's a little worse but like since I'm lucky enough to kind of be here and be working with people I went to school with a lot of people know my reputation and my work and mm-hmm. don't really bother me like that it's a lot of just like outside well, also just being taught now and learning more about that that's not okay. And that's yeah. like a lot of the older guys, that's not how no. they came up in the 70s, Exactly, 80s, and 90s. they've been doing this for like 35 years. And, and there was no women no, doing none. it at all. And all the ones who did do it, it was like totally okay to just like sexually harass and demean and just it was like a completely different game. And yeah, so I'll get some older engineers that are like, oh, the sound girl can do sound. And I'm like... Why am I here? Why would I be here if I couldn't do this? Mm-hmm. Like, am I, I'm not here to waste your time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot, because as I said, you don't really need, what I learned from touring is you don't need crazy qualifications to work at a venue. And from working at a venue, like you don't need to know a lot. You can get hired as a stagehand and the monitor engineer can call out and it's your lucky day, dude. You're learning how to run monitors. Mm-hmm. But then I come in and I'm like, damn, you're learning how to do monitors today and it's going to ruin my show. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Deep breath. I know. It's <laughs> so me worked up. It's uh, it's good to hear though. I mean, yeah. I I don't have the same experiences you have, obviously, but I know a lot of what you're saying from knowing women in the industry mm-hmm. and being in this industry and meeting women. Um, and it's... It's sad because it, it goes across things um, in the film industry, being like yeah. a, a woman who wants to be doing sound for film or do, being the, the cameraman, the, the cinematographer. Yeah. The, a lot of that happens because always, that's always been a male Yeah, thing, like any you know? heavy tech job, they just don't <laughs> believe that yeah. it's possible for anybody else to do. And I hate that. Like, I hate it. Just like, just because, and I, oh yeah, I don't know. They're like, oh, you can't carry this? I'm like, yeah, I can. Like, I can carry my own equipment. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here if I couldn't. Yeah. That's how you got there. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. proved yourself. Exactly. Already. So I'm just yeah, it's it's tiring to have to prove yourself to new people all the time, but I guess it keeps me sharp. Yeah. And not lazy. You know what? I met a lot of guys. A lot of them can't carry anything. That's what yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying when I'm when I meant there's like you don't have to have a bunch of qualifications. Because I know a lot of really shitty male sound engineers mm-hmm. who only work, got there because of their Because it's like, yeah, my buddy is in a band or I don't know, like I grew up with a like two input like <laughs> interface and I make bedroom pop. I'm like, cool, okay. 
I actually know the science behind this. Not that there's anything wrong. Like, you do not need to go to school to become a life science engineer. That's not by any means what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Because there's a ton, like, the majority of people who do life sound did not go to school. It didn't exist. And it didn't exist for a long, yeah, Yeah. for a very long time. And I think there's still only, like, three or four programs in the country. Mm -hmm. It's, like, Columbia, Belmont, Full Sail, and, like, another one. Mm -hmm. Like, another Full Sail-esque type college, so. It, it definitely can help. Yeah. It it definitely can fast track the knowledge. Exactly. The experience, the know-how, um, Obviously, it gives you a leg up to have the degree, yeah. but it's would, not necessary. Yeah, and I wouldn't be doing all this stuff this fast, I don't think, if I didn't no. have the degree. There's no way. Because no. you have to just kind of, like, pay your dues just for longer. But, like, since I was learning a lot of this stuff at the same time that I was paying my dues, that it was just like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, I'm ready for this next step because I've already learned about this next step. And I, like, know all of the theory, like, the base theory behind this stuff. So I'm not having to, like, catch up or, like, learn new things on mm-hmm. the job at the expense of a show. Yeah. That's yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. So like the earlier you can just start doing shows flawlessly or mostly flawlessly without beating yeah, and that's another thing. Don't beat yourself up about stuff happening because stuff happens. Stuff you're happens. you're just dealing with literal air in space. Like <laughs> anything can change, anything yeah. can happen. So a lot of it is out of your control, but it's just how you deal with it. Even electricity, voltage drops yeah, and goes exactly. up, left and right. Totally had it that happens at DZ Fest all of the time. time. I, yep. <laughs> well, you hear the bass just like lower. I'm like <laughs> turning this. It always happens the in the afternoon when yep. everyone gets off work and yep. the heat gets a little hotter yep. by three, four. And then by the end of the night, the subs are back. Back by by ten sounds yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. It's um, man, it's. It's not as complicated as it seems. Just like be a good person yeah. to all people. And don't think you just know everything. Don't think you know everything. Just because someone is not a man doing a traditional man job yeah. doesn't mean exactly. they can't do it. And I'm not saying I know everything because I definitely don't. There's times not. where I get to shows and I'm like, I have no I'm <laughs> We can't know anything. We're still <laughs> yeah. young. Like I'm I'm older than you, but like you're 24 and 31. Like we got 20, 30, 40 year careers yeah. to keep learning. Yeah, you know? exactly. It, it doesn't just... You don't know everything at a young age. Yeah, and I feel like people will come to this and they'll be like, I've done this and this and I know everything, so you can't know anything because I know everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, no. That's a terrible headspace yeah, to be at, and I you know anything about all, everything, you and know? And that's how a lot of the older engineers act. And I'm like, and your hearing is damaged. Mm-hmm. And mine's Heavily. not. Heavily. And mine's not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have any uh, sensophonic earplugs or anything yeah, like that? I, I do. do. It's amazing. I Got fitted by our pals at Sensophonics. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Do you um do you wear them when you mix at all? Um, I have minus sevens that minus I mix seven. in sometimes, depending on what the show is. If I do monitors, absolutely nice. So for monitors, I'll definitely wear those. But for front of house, I need to kind of hear the mm-hmm. space a little bit more. Do you when you get it like to an autopilot type of place? Mm-hmm. Do you put them in then, or do you always kind of? It need depends. To hear? I don't like to because sometimes I just have I don't like having to like take them in and out mm-hmm. all the time during the show because I'm like it's dark and mm-hmm. they're small and do you have the rope three hundred dollars? I don't have the rope connected. Uh, I gotta get that. Everyone who uh, gets those, I always recommend them. And people who haven't, they always end up losing one. I'm like, get them connected, I then you can just Steven put them on your. Lost his. I know that's kind of where I'm getting the story okay. from. I told him get the string. He's like, no, and I was like, dude, you could just drop it around your neck yeah. and then put it back in. It's great. That's they're they're clear silicon looking yeah, things like, like you're gonna set lose it on them. the console like just perfectly <laughs> yeah it's easy to lose but it is very easy translucent little objects in the dark place yeah, of a venue exactly <laughs> and especially when they cost like 300 dollars, it's mm-hmm. like you don't want to lose 
use that. They're amazing though. They're I still so have good. mine for almost eight years. And yeah, I got mine. I think I got fitted for mine right before I started NASCAR because mm. I was like, uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> be sitting next to cars all summer. Do you ever wear when you play music with anybody? Yeah. 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 Like, I do you wear the sevens stage. or do you wear 15s? I wear 15s. 15s are the best yeah. for playing music because yeah. they're so flat. Yeah. And that's like, especially if you have a drummer and a bass player yeah. and with uh, monitors, that's like great yeah. for just maintaining your, your hearing. Yeah. In a reinforced setting, I'll wear 15s, I guess, for playing. In a non reinforced setting, I'll wear sevens because I have the, when I play saxophone, it's a lot of like bone conduction. Mm. So having earplugs kind of changes the way that feels for me. So yeah. it kind of changes the way I perceive my timbre and then I'll compensate for that like subconsciously. So yeah, that I'll wear sevens or nothing if I'm not in like a reinforced, like dangerous environment. Like if I'm for, just, for those listening who don't know these random numbers we're shooting out, it's negative seven decibels yes. from your, your baseline. Yeah. And that, that could give you an extra hour or two mm-hmm. of hearing. Yeah. Oh, uh, safe protection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long have you been playing saxophone for? Since the third grade. I love when people say since like since the second grade since the th- it's yeah, such a funny like old school statement. It is a very old. I've been shoveling since the third grade. Yeah, and I'm you're from Boston. Playing saxophone since the third grade. Yeah, it was no suburb accent. Of, I, I guess I was born in Dorchester, and then when I was three years old, we moved to the suburbs. And I don't have an accent because both my parents are immigrants and mm. spoke Arabic and mm. English and French for most of my French. Where did the French come from? Uh, my dad went to French Catholic school. Oh, when he was in Morocco. Yeah, and Morocco's second language is French. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes so, sense based on some history. A, yeah, my mom's a French teacher. My dad went to French Catholic school. So. Do you know any French at all? Yeah, I took French for five. years. I know some French. I could laugh in know? French. Wee wee. My worst <laughs> joke. mean. I did quit. <laughs> I didn't. I dropped out of French four, and I was like the shame of my family. Oh, what about Arabic? Arabic, I speak it. I speak Darja, which is like the Moroccan dialect of Arabic. Mm-hmm. So, like classical Arabic, I can like pick up what people are saying, but speaking. And then I've recently transitioned into like learning writing because mm-hmm. I never knew how to write. But Complicated it's, looking. Yeah, it's insanely hard. I'm still not very good at it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, I've been, what you recommended, I've been reading mm-hmm. the Quran and looking. I have the English. Um, the Arabic and the Edu yeah. version. Yeah. So it has all three. And it has the, like the calligraphy is like, even if you don't read it or speak Arabic, it's so beautiful. I just, I catch at. myself reading the English one then looking over, I'm like, yeah, this is crazy that then, these are languages. Yeah. And you then know? getting used to reading from right to left instead of left to right. Yeah. The is book, like, the, the beginning of the book is on, on the, the back side. side. Yeah. I'm like, it's cool though. I've been really yeah. enjoying it. Um, and seeing a lot of the similarities between that and the Holy Bible. Yeah. Um, it's really fascinating. There's similar religions. A lot of people don't really realize they don't that they're know it because they listen to things <laughs> like, like the news yeah. and old people who have no idea what yeah. they're talking about who grew up in a Catholicism or Protestant like, world. You believe in Allah. Yeah, that's translation for God. God. <laughs> like, Yeah. It has so many similarities in like yeah. what you should and shouldn't do, exactly. how to be a good person. Yeah. Uh, the five pillars of like one of them being to like help people who mm-hmm. are less fortunate than you. Um, Zakat. Yeah, I yeah. can't speak yeah. Arabic, so I'm like, every time I see an Arabic word, it's it's in English, but then when it's a five-pillar, they'll have an, an Arabic word, mm-hmm. and I always look it up to try to, but I can't pronounce them yeah. properly, but I think that's very fascinating, and I think it's really interesting how much they bring up Abraham and Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. the, the tribes, and uh, um, Ishmael, and Jacob, like, they bring up the stuff that happened, in the, you know, 600 years yeah, before that. Yeah, we believe, or I'm 
gonna say we lightly. I'm not like very heavily religious anymore. I grew up going to Islamic like day school, like in, or Sunday school, and like learning the Quran and stuff. And my parents, my mom's more religious than my father, but my mom comes from a very very religious family. So I like am spiritual, but I'm not like a. I don't f- pray five times a day. I don't like. Are you ever gonna go to Mecca, or have you? I would go, but yeah. I come with. Yeah, I mean, I'm come not with. Muslim, but. My grandparents have all gone now at this point. My mom's gearing up for her trip in the next couple of years. What about Ramadan? Do you do you practice that at all? Have you? Not anymore. I used to when I was a kid, so mm-hmm. I've done it before. And I really, I think it's important, like, I understand now, and now I think because also my job constraints, like, I can't not eat and drink water and work, like, a 20-hour day. You drink water, too? I can't do water. Oh, that's Nothing. dangerous. Nothing. Yeah, it is, and I used to play like high school sports and fast at the same time. And the the premise behind that is to like kind of clear like the best way I can get out of it. Again, I don't know the language mm-hmm. and the original translations, but like kind of to cleanse yourself to like pay homage to like what is existence and and Allah, which is God, and like kind of yeah. Kind of be grateful for what you have and yeah. like learn discipline. It's a big empathy teacher. Yeah. And like what I was taught when I was a kid is that it's like a it's a practice we do to be empathetic with people who don't have as much yes. as we do. Because if you understand like real hunger and real thirst and like mm-hmm. that, I think you get on a level where you can empathize with people more. So kind of like Christianity, the fundamentals of Christianity is also very yeah. wholesome. Jesus was a wholesome, poor give back to people who are less fortunate than you, share, mm-hmm. um, help each yeah. other, community. And we just believe like Christi- in Jesus too. Right. No, the only talk like about major difference between like Islam and Christianity that like besides like a, like the major one is we just don't believe in Jesus as the son of God. We just right. believe in him as like a regular prophet, mm-hmm. which scientifically makes more sense to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like, it does. And just like um, Muhammad is just, yeah. you know, he's just the prophet. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so fascinating. And yeah, I haven't finished yet. I'm like a couple hundred pages yeah. in. But th- there was definitely a couple things that reminded me of the Bible where the words based on the culture back then definitely misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's, I don't know why I know this, but I think it's like, I don't know if they're called verses and chapters, but. Surat. Yeah. Number 41 in the yeah. very beginning, it, it says like men, women, equal except men still have a power mm-hmm. uh, of degree over yeah. women and that one i was like Ooh, yeah and there is that could of, be misinterpreted too much and that's why i'm not like heavily religious anymore why did why does it say that do you know like why did why is that a thing in islam because it is in christianity too because yeah. they so there's the the classic verses in the holy bible yeah. like um women submit to your husband for like in the lord this is right i'm paraphrasing here but then Everyone says that and they don't go to the next verse where it talks about men also do this yeah. unto women, but they're not the same. The words they use, it's a little bit more lean towards men I still. I think it was written by men. Well, yeah, and of course. it was written to control women. And- but like why are are women okay with that? Like, no, why, definitely But they're not, not, but like why are they submitting then? Like that um, in the in Islam culture and Christian culture definition of submit because a lot of people that think like women who wear hijabs are submitting to their husband and that's actually just like an act of between you and God like mm. you're choosing to be modest to yourself like it's not for like so nobody can see you like mm-hmm. you just that's a 
something between you and God. Okay. That's not like a, my husband is making me cover up thing. Right. And that's like a very commonly, they're like, you should take that off. And you like, people don't want to. That's like, they, why is it? It's, 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 a, modest, that it's a, a modesty. A practice. Western thing people have been yeah. saying, like bestowing exactly. it upon them. Like, yeah, oh, you're doing like, it because your husband. Yeah, exactly. They're like, hmm. you're controlled because they think all women in Arab nations are like heavily controlled by men which is kind of true but some are yeah, yeah some are definitely Saudi Arabia is very extreme yeah it, very correct? extreme and growing up in or growing up go, spending like a fair amount of time in Morocco like we're not that like my I have like one aunt who covers but like that's it's her decision it's mm-hmm. not because like my grandfather made her cover or her mm-hmm. husband made her cover like she wanted to practice modesty and that's how she's doing it and that's how a lot of like Muslim women like uh, just practice modesty. and it kind of has levels of degrees like some mm-hmm. completely cover like everything yeah. and they'll have like a, a thin veil yeah. and then some just wear like something on their head and they, you can see their yeah. face and a little more and it's a sign of respect to like you can't go into a mosque without covering so if I go to the mosque with my mom I'll cover but there are some weird things that kind of bothered me too which is why I've kind of moved away but like if you're a woman and you have your period you can't pray you can't fast. Right, right. Yeah, you can't, like, you're, un, like, unclean, and mm-hmm. I just don't understand how if God would make you, they would make you unclean. Right. Like, so that is something that's kind of bothered me, but... Or the, um, I was reading a, a verse that if your husband dies, you have to wait three months and ten days. That's what I read. For what? Before you can, like, uh, meet up with another man or, oh. like, have, have sex again or, yeah. or marry someone. And I was like, maybe that's because they didn't have, like, science and fertility to tell DNA so like they didn't want you to act like try to have a kid too soon to the husband not know who's the father yeah that's something I could come up with I don't know if you remember anything like that there's a lot of religions have some strange little I wasn't allowed to go into the prayer at my dad's funeral because I had my period wow yeah but like is that how would they know you'd have to tell my mom knew because I was staying at her house Uh, that's crazy See, that's the type of stuff our religion, like, I don't get it. Exactly. So I'm I like, I can't go into stuff. the prayer for my own father's death, but. <sighs> that's heavy. Yeah. So there's some things that I agree with and don't agree with. I agree with the fundamental foundation yeah, of like. Exactly. Be a good person. Be a good person. Help those who need it. Because if you're able to do that, clearly you're, you got a leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, be kind to people. Be polite. Believe in a, a there's more to life than just ourselves and exactly. our selfish needs, you know? Yeah, and I think growing up with that allows me to kind of take those practices apart from the religion and practice those just kind of like being a good person, giving back. Like, it just allows me to practice a lot more of that, like, wholesomely, I guess, hmm. without, I don't know, like, defining it. So I think it still is, like, my guideline on being a good and like mm-hmm. a good, just person, mm-hmm. but it's not like my guide for everything I do and I don't like follow it strictly. Right. Like the teachings of doing Ramadan when I was younger, I didn't get it. I hated it. I was like, I just want to eat pizza with my friends. Like That's the point, I guess. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and my you... friends were like, your parents won't know if you do it. And I was like, the guilt will eat me alive. So I never would like cheat on my Ramadan. Like I would never eat anything like, and I think that's important. And it was an important experience for me, like, to just be like, okay. It's, it's like a good self-control and, yeah. excuse me, like, it's a good discipline But practice. the guilt, even guilt, it can get a little too much. Yeah. Because I, I definitely felt a lot of guilt growing up. Christian mm-hmm. with certain things. Yeah. Like, the strict stuff such as, like, 
don't be of the world, the swearing, piercings, yeah, tattoos, exactly. certain clothing, sex before marriage, these big yeah. things you're kind of like, you feel bad about all exactly, of it. Exactly, and yeah. And that's it, not, it, it, gets, it gets a little too much. It could start to be a little psychological exactly. damage going on. You yeah. Know, where you're just like stunting yourself. You're like, wow, am I a bad person because I do all these perfectly normal things? Like, perfectly normal things that millions of people do and exactly. it's hurting nobody. And are fine. Define. Yeah, exactly. Like the tattoo here is is not yeah, hurting anybody. I know. I have to cover everything when I go home because I have like a full sleeve and leg tattoos now. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Can't wait to show your mom this podcast. I'm just kidding. I don't know your mom. She knows I have, yeah, she knows I have tattoos now, but uh, she didn't for a while. But, like, when I go to Morocco, like, I went um, summer 2019, Mm -hmm. and, like, around my grandparents, aunts, uncles, wearing long sleeves in the desert. Do you dress up differently there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, generally there, like, it's not, like, it's not as strict where you're, like, there's like there's still people who wear hijab there's still people who Mm -hmm. are very modest but it's a very much more modest dressing culture like i wouldn't wear like jean cut off shorts or like like i wear like my rule is like elbows and knees or like if i'm gonna wear like a tank top it has to be thick but now i can't wear a tank top because i have tattoos and everybody's like i go to the beach and everybody's like like stare like glaring at me because women don't really have men don't really have tattoos there and especially women don't have tattoos there and they don't have sleeves of tattoos right the beach are you allowed to be in a bathing suit yeah 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 and especially with the younger generation i go to like this like beach club with my cousins and it's a lot of like kids our age who are like first generation in other like a lot Mm -hmm. of like European kids whose parents are all both from Morocco because it's very common for um, like Moroccan immigrants to like move elsewhere and then come back and spend the whole summer. So like my entire my mom is one of eight and my dad is one of five. So a lot of cousins, a lot of cousins. I have like sixty something cousins. Yeah, I feel you. I have I have a lot too. But everybody comes back for the summer and it's really cool. Like and so. And a lot of their friends from childhood come back with their kids. So a lot of people, like a lot of my family and aunts and uncles have moved to Europe. Oh, okay. And it's like live in Europe for the year. But then everybody has their like house in Morocco that they come back to and spend their three months. My mom literally is a te- like a high school teacher mm. specifically. So she can go back as soon as school is done yeah. and stay for, like, for three months. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool yeah. to have that going back and yeah. forth. That's like a really neat culture to be able to go back mm-hmm. and forth to because america's like it's i mean it's a it's a it's great cool. country as far as its freedom and yeah. and literally freedom. like well i mean yeah look what we're doing yeah, right now exactly. there's some places we could not yeah, do this you true. could not be talking about your religion yeah. that's why certain places and we can't hear but i know what you mean yeah it gets a little <laughs> i think because of that it gets a little crazy yeah because it's like so much freedom yeah. that it just gets wacky. Yeah, and it's like internet. vaguely regulated, but like not really. I don't know. But yeah, getting to like experience that culture and like live there for the summer, like my, we did that every summer of my childhood. How come men don't feel the need to cover up or, or aren't expressed in their culture to cover up as much as women are, do you think? I just don't. I, you don't know? I don't really know. I just don't think it was ever expected of them, so they don't have to. I mm-hmm. guess men generally just dress more. The male body is less sexualized in general. Yeah, than in all cultures. Body, in all cultures yeah. all around the world. So I feel like people are not that concerned about a little man thigh or mm-hmm. chest or something like that. But people want to hypersexualize women's bodies. So if you show your arms or your yeah 
knees. It's too much. I wonder like what percentage of women in the, in the, in the Muslim world, like you're saying like they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Is that learned and taught or like, it's hard to decipher if you genuinely want to do it or if it's all you've ever yeah, known. Yeah. And there's some families where it's like expected of you mm-hmm. and it's all, and I definitely more in the Middle East. That's like more commonplace and in North Africa, less commonplace. Okay. It's not as, so, not yeah, as strict. Yeah, exactly. We're definitely a lot less. The strict. epicenter of Saudi Arabia and it kind of yeah. loosens as yeah. it goes out. But, Have you been anywhere over there in the Middle I East? I haven't. No. And I've spent a lot of time this year kind of separating North Africa from the Middle East because culturally we're kind of similar, but honestly not really that much. No, it's that's really so just far. it's so really different. just religion and it's since the there's no separation of church and state in most Muslim countries. Like Morocco is a functioning monarchy and all of its law is Islamic law. So that's wow. really the only thing that connects us to the Middle yeah. East is that we are all governed similarly yeah. through Islamic law and through the teachings of the Quran. Because Morocco to like Palestine is far. Far. Thousands yeah, of miles. Yeah, exactly. We're closer to Europe, like closer to Spain, closer to the rest of Africa. We're more culturally similar to like a mm-hmm. lot of other African countries. That's why I'm, a, I'm a, actually, I did a 23andMe and I'm mm-hmm. like one and a half percent Moroccan because Woo! I'm Spanish and yeah, the exactly. Iberian Rural Peninsula, you're right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Moors came over, they mm-hmm. occupied it, it was Islamic for a while. Um, it was very interesting to see that. And obviously, everyone's a small percentage sub Saharan African, yeah. but to be a little bit Moroccan, I was like, this makes sense to have that based on the fact I'm Spanish. Yeah. You know, yeah. it keeps changing. Yours keeps changing? Yeah, I looked at it again yesterday. It just tells me every time that I'm more Moroccan than I thought the last time. <laughs> what, what, oh, you did it. So, yeah. what percentage Moroccan? Um, I did ancestry, but. <laughs> Um, I'm 96% North African, 2% Somalian, and 2% Mali. All that makes sense, yeah, being from full African. Africa. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, people think Africa, they think, like, you must be black. I, always. People yeah. are like, you're not African. I'm like, I'm very... And I've been <laughs> Very <like>, African. <laughs> yeah, and I know I'm not black, and, like, I think there's a lot of, like, the difference between that, and there's, like, a big debate on whether or not North Africans are black or because there are black North Africans. Of course. Absolutely. And then there's a lot of in between in like the genetics in North like my grandma is like white with red hair. Hmm. But because the French? No, like no. but she's like full Moroccan. Hmm. The gen- I think probably because of the right. French it's and occupation. Be something yeah, like it's that. something World like War that. World War 1 2. But you can have families that look Everybody looks different. Yeah. Like completely different features. My parent, my dad is a little bit darker skin and my mom is a little bit lighter skin. And me and my brother are somewhere in the middle of that. But yeah, I, it's just a, a lot of identity. I feel like North Africans are often forgotten because we're pretty much our own very unique race. Mm-hmm. And people are just assume, oh, you're from Africa, like, but you're not black. And it's like, no, because I my ancestry doesn't have the experience of like being part of the like Atlantic slave trade and mm-hmm. like all of the well, also you're trauma separated that comes with by, that. This, by the desert, the yeah. Sahara Desert from sub Saharan Africa. Which yeah, but is there is some tame. parts sure. of North Africa Core. culturally, like Sudan is mm-hmm. considered North African culture wise mm-hmm. that it's a big continent. Yeah, it's, it's a big huge. continent. It's old. Yeah. The oldest as far as humans are considered. Yeah. And it's there's a lot of trauma behind it. Oh my god. And that, it's yeah, it's really If if anybody ever wonders why like 
what's wrong with Africa? Why is always all these issues? Like, look into the history of yeah, Africa, and you'll like, understand uh, why it's been kicked exactly. down so much. All of it has been colonized. Oh, yeah. The entire continent has been colonized since, like, damn near the beginning of time. The reason why malaria is such a problem there is because of the Dutch people mm-hmm. pushing up the tribes to places they normally wouldn't be by rivers they normally wouldn't be by, where we're, mosquitoes are more exactly. prominent. We're always the first people that they want to test vaccines on or test drugs on, and we're always the last people to get relief and help and stuff, mm-hmm. and the last people to get development, and the last, like, we don't have water sometimes at my house in Morocco. Like, I was, ta- like, I got back last time, and I literally got home from the airport, and I was like, I want to take a shower. Halfway through the shower, water just stopped. Oh, my God. It's just like there's so much wealth elsewhere in the world and all these countries. Like Morocco only got its independence from France in the 50s. And my grandfather fought heavily in that war. And like just how like much they've been able to grow and expand just since the 50s is crazy. But it's still they're still so far behind like the rest of the developed world because mm-hmm. it's wildly undeveloped as a country. Would you say it's like a second world country? We're, like, transitioning. When I was a kid, it was definitely, like, very third-world country, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I don't know if that's, like, an okay thing to say anymore. I mean, who would know better than the person that's there? Very undeveloped. Lots of people living in, like, slums, shacks, no running water, no Sounds third-world to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then there's a lot of, like, small pockets of wealth. And now we're going through this thing where, like, they're building a lot of, like, apartment buildings. And there's a lot of new construction and a lot of, like new stuff kind of replacing all these like old historic villas like my mom grew up in a house that had one bedroom with eight siblings and her parents like it's that's crazy i always thought that it was crazy in this house mm-hmm. my grandparents with 11 kids which is a lot but this house is not a yeah, one bedroom house some, yeah. it's not that big for 13 people but it's sure, certainly not a one yeah. bedroom house you know and that just goes to show like the levels of poverty exactly the levels of wealth like i always say if you make over it's like thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars a year. You're in the top one percent of the planet, mm-hmm. which is like most Americans. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if I move there, and like when we go there, and especially after my parents kind of got more established here and started like making a lot of money, or not a lot, like enough to get by in America. But there, it's a ton of money. Mm-hmm. There, we're like rich. It's weird. Wow. It's a very weird thing. So between Morocco upbringing, Boston upbringing, mm-hmm. Chicago, you have a wide range of what the idea of wealth is hard work yeah poor struggle man woman dynamic yeah you have a lot of that yeah have you do you think that's why like it's like why you've done what you've done by the age of 24 i think so yeah i I mean anybody i feel like anybody who's grown up as a child of immigrants can attest like you need to work hard like i feel an obligation to work hard and make something of myself because my parents sacrificed so much to come here Mm -hmm. and went through so much to like build a life for us to where we're like financially stable now and like like we can have like a house like my family finally now owns a house unfortunately it came out of my father having to pass away but like I my mom finally after being here for since like the mid 80s and working she came here on a scholarship from Disney um, an essay writing contest they hire or they write have an essay writing contest for all the countries that Epcot represents mm-hmm. so and then that's how they hire people but it's actually just a super like predatory hiring practice because they go to all these countries and are like here you have the opportunity to write this essay and get to come work in Disney for a year and you get your visa and whatever and my mom did that and she won and 
she got like a six week vacation in North Dakota and Minnesota. Wow. That was her first introduction. North Dakota. Yeah, that was the first place my mom went. The first place my dad came was Snow, Utah. I'd never seen snow in his life. I bet. Never. Morocco. Yeah, doesn't never get snow. seen snow in his life. But they both worked jobs where they made $40 a week. Oh my God. And like they didn't see their family for years because if they left the country, they wouldn't be allowed back in. Mm-hmm. And my mom was not in like legal U.S. citizen until after she gave birth to me. Like, what made them settle in Boston? Um, they had a friend. So they, my dad, <laughs> they met each other in college um, on a bus, which is really sweet. <laughs> they met each other in college um, in Morocco. And then my mom won the contest after undergrad and moved here for the year. And then my dad was like, all right, I'm going to come be with you and enrolled in another college program. In Utah, not really knowing his geography. (laughs) My mom's in Orlando. My dad's in Utah. Romantic. Romantic. (laughs) Um, He did six months of college there, called it a day, and moved to Florida. And he started working at Disney, too, at MGM, making burgers. Wow. Both of them lived in, like, a small apartment. That's that's amazing. Both working at Disney, making almost nothing. And one of their friends from work had a friend in Boston. Um, My parents, very good friend for a good deal of time helped raise me as well um he had traveled the world and met one of their friends in morocco and then basically my parents met him and he lived in boston in dorchester and my parents wanted to go back to school and so they both got accepted into umass boston moved up to boston kind of started working my mom worked in an italian restaurant as a manager and my dad went to med school and was doing med school and then they had me and we lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Dorchester. How far is that from, like, downtown Boston? Um, like 15, 20 minutes. It's kind of like but me to Chicago, or a little bit closer. It's, like, yeah, without traffic, no, it's actually I'm about like, 15, yeah, 20 minutes yeah, to the loop. It's, no traffic. It's like this. Okay. Boston's a lot smaller of right. a city. And Dorchester at the time was probably, like, the one of the worst neighborhoods. And it's still, it's heavily gentrified now. Mm. But it was not, like, a great neighborhood there was a lot of crime. My parents tell me this story about how someone threw this fish in the street, in the middle of the street, and it smelled, and it just rotted for days, and it just <laughs> smelled, and my dad went and poured hella chemicals on it to get it to, like, disintegrate, and just, yeah, hearing the stories. Did your father finish med school? Mm-hmm. So he was a doctor? Yeah, so he was a doctor for a while. What practice? Like, what? Just general medicine. Okay. And then he moved up into, like, more hospital management, so he managed an oncology floor at... Um, Jordan Hospital in Plymouth. Did your mom finish graduate school? Mm-hmm. What did yeah. she study? Um, linguistics. Wow. So my mom's a language teacher, a foreign language teacher. Teaches Masters her. or PhD? Masters. Masters. She's working on her PhD right now. So That's amazing. Go mama. I know. Your but parents are inspirational. Yeah, very wow. much inspirational. That's a wild story Yeah, so I feel like I have to do something <laughs> to live up to that. Like I don't want to just be like, Meh. I got to play saxophone yeah. and mix NASCAR, And baby. the fact that I have parents that allowed me to do that, like yeah. coming from that background and we're like actually supportive of that was big, very big. For that me. is price. That is better than getting a PhD or an yeah. MD. Like yeah. that freedom of expression mm-hmm. and finding your way. You can't put a price tag exactly. on it. It's your life. Mm-hmm. It's your existence forever. Exactly. And having the fact that they like nurtured that and allowed me, like they didn't have money to like rent a saxophone, but like they made it work. Like, they made it work to send me to private lessons. Like, mm-hmm. they made a lot of stuff work for me to be able to, like, do what I do. And I'm eternally thankful for that. Like, 
and just yeah. have the support. Like my mom taking, like I remember my Berkeley audition fee was $150 and like we couldn't afford it and we were so stressed and my mom like pulled through and found a way to pay for it. And, and like the fact that she did that and like came with me and like, like that was like a big, like a very nervous day of my life. Like, and like the fact that she was there and supportive of me through that was like really, really special to me. And I really want to make them proud. Mm-hmm. So and you, you did lessons at Berkeley. I did Berkeley online this semester because I won a Berkeley has like a jazz a high school jazz festival mm-hmm. um, in February of every year, and my high school would always compete in that. We were like big in the jazz competition circuit. My high school was so I played saxophone, and by my senior year, I was doing solos and stuff. So I won like a scholarship to their online program, oh, okay. either their summer camp or online program. So you and your mom just. Winning, winning things. Winning things, yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, man, so I did that before college, like in between graduating high school and college. I didn't get into Berkeley, and that like broke my entire heart. That was like all I wanted to do. But I'm all so, for music, yeah. But mm. I'm honestly so thankful I didn't because I'd be in a dumb amount of debt. And that's a prestigious music school, yeah. And but also they don't have a live sound program, so mm. I don't know what I would be doing. Like you I wanted be to be telling your story right now. Yeah, I'll tell you that I wanted to go into. They have like an MP and E, which is music production and engineering program that I was interested in but mm-hmm. it was all men and they were like it's very like you had to audition to get into that program and I was it's it's intense so mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know I'm thankful for the way my path panned out it's a fascinating path yeah it's a very interesting I really d- and when I came to Columbia for the first time I had planned on immediately transferring like I was like I'm gonna grind this year I'm gonna practice I'm gonna work and then I'm gonna Go back to Berkeley. Yeah, I'm going to try and get back mm. to there. And, like, having the experience of doing the summer courses, like, in between high school and college was really cool because – or it just made me want that more, I guess, because I was like, I like this environment. But it gave me a leg up when I got to Columbia, too, because we were in the first semester of classes, and I was like, I'm – signal flow. I know my Let's signal flow. <laughs> what was it Cables. like being Moroccan growing up in a rough neighborhood in Boston? Um, I didn't complete, like, I wasn't a conscious adult when I was in that neighborhood, so mm. I don't really remember much, but we moved to a very affluent white suburb, like, when I was four, so mm. I grew up, oh, okay. yeah, so I f- formally grew up in a very affluent white suburb, very poor, mm. not very, like, but, like, definitely, like, Low for a while. working class? Yeah, and yeah. while, because uh, I guess what happened, so my dad was a doctor, we made a plenty for a while and then um when I was seven years old he had a stroke that left him like half paralyzed mm. for the rest of his life so he never worked again after that oh. so after that then we had a lot of to deal with a lot of medical bills my mom was still in school that's terrible so, yeah All it was great for a work. while yeah I mean not that it wasn't great for his entire life and I miss him so much but um yeah that happened and that really kind of set them back a lot yeah, because a, a lot. lot of people don't know, like, to get an MD or a PhD, first of all, it could take years, 10 yeah. years, then you do your residency, you usually, you're also hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, yeah. and you usually don't and make they, they good was, money until exactly. you're, like, in your mid-30s. And their parents weren't paying for their colleges because they're, like, no. there's no way. No, unless you're, like, also, unless you're, just like any industry, unless you're also, like, the top at it, mm-hmm. you're not going to be that well-off, cliche doctor, or professor type until you're, like, in your 40s. Yeah. And then that exactly. happened to your dad, so it's and like... he had his stroke at 40. Exactly. So, like, at the prime of really doing well yeah. financially and in his career, that yeah. was... Yeah, and had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and 
So that's rough. Yeah, it was a very like rough part of my life and a hard thing that I guess I dealt with. But it made me want to, I don't know, again, make them proud and be mm-hmm. able to help them out. Because having to see my parents stressed about paying medical bills or my mom literally spending all day at the hospital and then going to work and then spending all day at the hospital or mm-hmm. her, she was a translator as an extra job for money. Mm. Like seeing them do everything they could to like make it happen. How old were you when that happened? Seven. So if, if my math is correct, that's like right around 9-11-ish? Uh, a couple years after. A couple years I after. I was five years old when 9-11 happened. Was that hard? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Being in that area, Mm -hmm. in that time, white area. Yeah. Muslim. My parents both had very thick accents at that time. I can't even Yeah. Someone wrote on, my dad would do his pre-shift meeting in like the office and someone wrote, go back to where you came from or we're going to get you for this. Yeah. A doctor. And he has a nurse's writing this on the... The most highest esteem and educated people Mm -hmm. you could ever be is a doctor and they're still being treated that way. Yeah. So you... Man, like your parents being yeah. persecuted and, and then you become something you love to do. And just because you're a woman, you're getting, it's a different type of persecution, oh, yeah. but it's still like this bull crap yeah. you're getting. And you know? it stunted my like growth. Like my parents stopped teaching me Arabic. Oh, they tried to do like a simulate yeah, fitting in exactly, more, because more American. At the beginning when I was a baby, they were teaching me Arabic because that's what they primarily spoke in the house. And it's also what you do. It's yeah, your exactly. culture. It's your it's history. Our it's your life. And, uh, yeah. So that kind of, so after that, stopped teaching me Arabic. My brother never learned Arabic. I didn't start picking it back up again until I got to kind of like later high school, college. Mm. And especially in college, I really started to like identify more and kind of realize my culture. And a lot of growing up where I grew up did kind of whitewash me and I didn't realize that till I moved here, just like how much of a like bubble I come like my town was twenty eight thousand people, like a very very small town in southern Massachusetts, where people have been there since the literal beginning of colonization. Years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. My mom lives in Plymouth now. Wow. Yeah. So right on the rock, rock. she lives on small the rock. rock. <laughs> the rock is like this big. She just chills on the rock. She chills on the rock. <laughs> you know what you just said is um. I'm convinced. I've never heard these words from my dad. I'm mm-hmm. convinced why he never taught me Spanish. Yeah. He grew up south side Chicago during the um, race riots of the 60s. He was yeah. born in 1954. And I look at his old elementary school photos and stuff. He's the only mm-hmm. Mexican kid there. Yeah. Because back then it was all like Polish and Irish guys on the south side. Yeah. All white. And he's the only one. And I think to fit in, he had to like try to lose exactly. that culture and fit in. And when he come, came out to the suburbs in the 80s, still... Very, he's a very dark Mexican man too. Mm-hmm. So like treated terribly. Like I remember as a kid, this one story, we went to a hotel in Indiana to stay the night and they denied him Wow, because he was Mexican. Well, they didn't say that, but yeah, they but, literally yeah. said like, you can't stay here. And it's stuff like that why I think he like doesn't even really want to speak Spanish. Yeah. Like he just kind of keeps it, keeps it away because it's, I mean, he's 66. So like, yeah. The first 25 years, the most important parts of your life that shape you was just beaten down. Um, exactly. Watched Martin Luther King walk right in front of his house on Western Avenue on 55th and Western mm-hmm. in Gage Park. Like things like wow. that. Saw things, saw saw the school buses with the black kids mm-hmm. getting hit with bats and stuff by the white kids. And he'd have to take his, his siblings through the alleyways mm-hmm. to get to school. And wow. he was the oldest. Like it's things like yeah. that that he had to kind of like I, I got to be as American as I can be. Yeah. I got to be as as white as yeah. I can possibly be. And I be. definitely felt that like I, w- I would never wear my hair natural. 
I have like very like tight natural curls. Like I have very big hair now. You right now big I ha- hair? I didn't right know. Now, yeah. <laughs> right now it's little... your hair is like boom. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Thank it, you. No, it's it's powerful. Yeah. I this like is, that by hair. It's cool. I'm a little bit lazy, so I blew it out, but I haven't washed it in like three weeks. <laughs> I just wait. Wait, you say three? Weeks? I said that. Yeah, I definitely just said three weeks, and that's the truth. But um, I never wanted to wear my hair natural. I never wanted to speak Arabic. I didn't want to tell people I was fasting. I didn't want to. My dad's name's Muhammad. Like, never heard of that word. Yeah. That name, no. Yeah. So it was just, just yeah, a lot of me, <laughs> a lot of assimilating, and I noticed it a lot in my brother too. Like he definitely, especially since he never had the like the initial like was learning Arabic and culture. Mm-hmm. He kind of has it a little bit more suppressed than I do. And I He's younger? Yeah. Okay. And especially since I've moved out here and I've seen there's actual diversity in the world. Like there's other people because it was me. Like it was me. We had like maybe three black kids at my school mm. and me and a couple, like one Mexican family, one or two Asian families, and then just That's white it. people. Diversity is boundless white people. One thing I'm grateful for is the diversity around here. Like yeah. my high school was like a third Hispanic. Yeah. A third like white, mostly like a yeah. lot of Polish, but white. A third, you know, maybe like 20% black and then a bunch of Middle Eastern because there was a mosque yeah. in Bridgeview. Yeah. And so like tons of, there wasn't really no anybody. No other Muslim kids. See, I, I was around it a lot. So like it. I didn't get the whole, like, even as a kid, I remember being, like, third, fourth grade, and there was this kid, Ahmad, and his his name was Ahmad, his mm-hmm. middle name was Ahmad, his last name was Ahmad. And <laughs> Ahmad, Ahmad, Ahmad. Laughing, I love that. Everyone made fun of him, but but I didn't because I got made fun of him a lot, too, when I was a kid, so I was yeah. like, I just didn't see the point of making fun of him. I found it interesting, like, oh, you're like, this other cult, it was just so yeah. interesting, and being around it a lot, it was nice. But um, yeah, being being the only person around a bunch of white people is probably completely yeah, a different ball. Exactly, game. and like, obviously, like when I was younger, I was more religious and just like it was more expected of me to like go to Sunday school and like take like we my parents would take me out for like religious holidays and like I would fast and go to school like mm-hmm. during Ramadan and and that rotates right. It's based on the lunar, yeah, calendar. lunar calendar, so it basically like hops back every like two weeks uh, give or take two weeks every year mm-hmm. so the craziest thing is th- this is my favorite or not my favorite but this is like the funniest thing to me is when people around now say happy ramadan like around christmas time and all that stuff because when we were children ramadan was in december and it was like it fell through december and now it's in like april it changes right yeah yeah but it just it just moves back a little bit every yeah. year. But like now it's in like April. But like I rem- will still hear people to this day be like, "Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Ramadan, Merry Christmas," and it's like everyone's just trying to. The Merry Christmas thing is great because it's like yeah. I didn't know I was a pagan. I thought yeah. I was a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna go there. Uh, yeah, I I love the. Um, I appreciate the effort mm-hmm. of PC culture, but I despise the execution of it yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah like yeah we should be more aware of people's cultures uh, ideologies religions backgrounds gender sex beliefs what they identify as Mm -hmm. but like the overcompensation for it by like rich white people yeah it's (laughs) It's disturbing yeah and (laughs) And they always go about it the wrong way it's like we changed our pronouns in our Instagram bio and it's like, cool, well, what are you actually doing to help like <laughs> black trans women who are literally dying? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like, 
Nothing. No? Nothing. You're not, like, put your money where your mouth is. There's so much mutual aid for people who are disenfranchised who really, really need it. And putting some stuff in your bio, although it's, like, cool to, like, show solidarity and normalize that, like, you also need to do the work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, you're right. You're right. It's when I first... Like, doing DZ Fest, there was a point I had to decide, like, and everyone asked, like, where's it going to go? What's she going to do? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I Maybe we could, like, do something good out of it because I'm never going to make, like, it's a DIY thing. Yeah. So I'm not going to make, make money, money off it. Yeah. And I don't really want to. And that's why yeah. I think it works because the money thing is not. Yeah. No one. It's not like it's a not cost prohibitive money. thing for no. people to go to and you don't want it to be that. No, I don't want it to be that. So I was like, what can we do with it? And I was like, maybe we can, like, donate it to musicians and artists who need it who don't have even this opportunity to even be at a place like this they're so far down on the low income scale so when I called the Chicago Public Schools to talk to them about it they uh, they, when they described the way their music programs and our programs Mm -hmm. ran I'm not going to go into detail about it but it's sad yeah it's pathetic it's depressing underfunded underfunding is not yeah it's not even it's disturbing and yeah. it's it's honestly it was so bad I almost cried and I was like I know what I want to do I want to like all the money I can yeah. whatever like after paying for whatever it costs like donate it to, to the CBS. Children's First Fund because oh, awesome. it's like I remember you did Winterfest like that last year yeah that that's was awesome. for the National Honor Society okay. for my high school that's awesome yeah and it's like I have the gear I have the knowledge I have the experience and I have the, the web of people mm-hmm. and we can like as struggling as you have been this last year, yeah, struggling it's as not anyone, even close not to. even close to some kid who is on the south side of Chicago exactly. and can't get anything in life and just grows up in this terrible position and he's a really good musician or she is or they are and they just can't even, they can't even get out to play their mm-hmm. music, their their rock, jazz, blues, their, their hip hop, whatever it is they're doing, they can't even, they don't even have a place to do it. Yeah. So it's like how, I have this place to do it. I've been blessed with this space, this exactly. yard. And I've always utilized this yard to yeah. the best of my abilities, Absolutely. obviously. <laughs> and um, I wanted to like share that that type of um, that type of love and passion mm-hmm. for music and art because money money is great and it can help you have less stress and, and not worry about things and give you time to think yeah. and and do more. So I've been grateful to grow up in a working class family and have a yard. And I just want to like give back and and help people that don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and based along what we were talking about with Islam and Christianity, like yeah. give back give to back. those that you can. Exactly. How much money you think you you need or you don't have? There's always people who have less. <laughs> Way less, yeah. Way less. Way less. And they're five miles away. Yeah. Ten miles. They're right here. And it's just so it's so it just sucks. Like that's the thing that hurt me the most this year was not. The sessions and the bands and all that it was the fact that I couldn't do DZ Fest to like try to raise money to help people. Yeah. Like that just like bothered, bothered me a lot, me. you know. <sighs> this year sucks. This year sucks a lot. Sucks. <laughs> you know, and I, people always keep saying like 2021's gonna be great because of no, like it's not. Biden and like a oh my god. Biden. <laughs> I started on that. But yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. It's cool to see how much regular people have stepped up to do the job of local government this year. Mm-hmm. And like through mutual aid, that's been, I guess, the most positive thing I've seen through this is people like you will are like doing more for like disenfranchised people than the literal government. It's like, this, it's it's sad. not supposed to be that way. And it's way. really not supposed to be that way. And like, yeah. It, that well, has, I just think, sorry, I mean to cut you off, but I'm just like, why aren't wealthier people doing more? Exactly. I'm not it's wealthy. It's like, why are, why, like... <laughs> 
I was donating my unemployment to like mutual aid this year. And like, I know tons of people who were doing the exact same thing. And it's like, we don't have any, like, why are we circulating the same money when there's billionaires who could solve this with like a 16th, a tiny little sliver of their wealth could solve major problems. Like, Mm -hmm. or the government properly allocating the funds. Exactly. Instead of building more high rises along Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, or not allowing people to become billion, like multi-billionaires and trillionaires. It's just not I Or if they are going to get to that, you you got to raise that tax exactly. the tax yeah, that's what I mean. Like it there's just, just so many loopholes that allow people to like once you reach a certain level of wealth just be able to multiply it like like a zombie <laughs> money breeds money exactly you so more money you get more out of it and if you like let the systems that allow people to just keep multiplying their stuff without doing anything for people who need it and then you just have people who have no empathy or no like concept of what it's like for the rest of the world mm-hmm. and then you just have people with not a lot of means helping people with no means and it's yeah it's I guess, yeah, the most positive thing to come out of it, was, or, like, I've seen this year was a lot of, like, really cool mutual aid and people doing a lot of Working stuff, together. Working together and, like, being each other's networks and resources. And hearing each other out. Hearing each other Learning out. Learning more about people they yeah. don't maybe know about yeah. or don't agree with. exactly. And, yeah, starting to kind of mend some wounds and just kind of realizing that, like, hey, if the government isn't going to help us at least we can help each other and well, six hundred dollars is not it's nothing, not helping nothing. you're gonna live forever i didn't get that, my right? first one but i just got my six hundred dollars and i feel stimulated <laughs> <laughs> i am so stimulated i know but i'm still waiting for that first twelve. why does it take it it's been like nine months what happened i don't know i have the same accountant as all my friends who got a direct deposit i got mine like yeah the second they said you're getting it i looked and it was there i was like oh okay yeah i never got mine so. <sighs> What? Yeah. And my I'm a mixed earner too, which for unemployment is a nightmare. So I have one W or I had one W two job where I made a small fraction of my money. Or I'm transparent. I made five thousand dollars off this one W two job and then mm-hmm. I made like forty thousand dollars doing other stuff, ten ninety nine. And for unemployment, they only count your W two job for your oh so God. I make a hundred and two dollars a week off my unemployment. Instead of like the four or Instead, five, six hundred, yeah, whatever it exactly would be. what it would be if they counted all my income. But when it comes to taxes, all of it's taxable. Oh yeah, they'll take it. But so I'm paying in with all of my income to do that, but they're only considering the small part that's W two that is tax mm-hmm. to, or like that is already taxed. Hmm. So it's just it's a mess. It's a nightmare of a system, and it took me like eight weeks to get that, and then, yeah. On a lighter note, let's talk about art. Oh. So you do is this watercolor? Mixed, yeah. This is like a mixed it's media. It's a mixed though. medium, yeah. yeah. And it's a little bit three D. I don't know if you can tell through the camera, but it's that's a three D camera. So wear your three D goggles. I'm kidding. Wear your three D glasses to look at. Yeah, this. it's and, a, and you made this. Yeah, me made this. I did make this. I've been getting a lot more into. I've always loved painting since I was like a kid. And never, like, seriously, and never, like, I've never been, like, I'm a visual artist. But through quarantine, I've had a lot of time on my hands, and this is kind of a peaceful thing for me. I was spending a lot of time at home in August, in, like, at my mom's house in Boston, or in Plymouth. On the rock. On the rock. <laughs> I was spending a lot of time on the rock, and um, my aunt actually got her visa approved. My aunt, this is a crazy story. My aunt um, applied... Like, this was 15 years ago. Um, applied for, uh, like, a U.S. citizenship, and my parents agreed to sponsor her. Whatever. F- never got it. 15 years go by. 
And my dad was the one who had originally sponsored her because my mom wasn't a U.S. citizen yet. So years go by. My dad has passed at this point. And we get a, she gets a letter that her, like, citizenship has been approved. So she had been through a divorce, now has two kids. Like, this was before any of that. Like, she had just, like, graduated college and was like, I'm going to move to the U.S. So it got approved last year, and they moved in December of, la- of 2019. So my aunt and her two kids live with my mom now, which is great for my mom because she needs – or not needs, but – I feel better knowing that there's someone at the house with my mom. Right, of course. Now. Um, so my aunt and her two kids have recently moved here. So I spend a lot of time with my little cousins, and they're 8 and 11. So they're pretty young, and they're into their phones, naturally, <sighs> as most 8 and 11-year-olds are. But when they're with me, I want to like really foster creativity and art with them. So... I found an old watercolor set of mine in the basement of my mom's house, and I said, let's do this. And then we did it for a couple of days. We'd sit on the porch and do that. And then when I came back here, I was like, why don't I just keep painting? You should. Yeah, so I've been... How long have you been? Have you just been dabbling here and there? You do it a lot? I do it uh, quite a bit. I have, yeah. like, a little watercolor set that, like, flips open like a little laptop, kind of. Mm-hmm. So I can put the paper on it, and it has this pen that, ha- like, is loaded with water already. So I can, like, literally just sit oh, and watch cool. TV and make, like, a little postcard, like, watercolor postcards. That's really cool. Yeah, it's just, like, a nice way for me to not be on my phone and keep my hands busy and... Keep your mind stimulated. Exactly. And just express exactly. expression. And this particular piece, I feel funny saying that. I, I, You know what? You probably can relate to this knowing your background history. Isn't it hard to, like be an artist like say you're yeah. an artist when you are like of the working class I hate class. being like I'm a creative <laughs> I know because that's like just very you, you know who got me into finally convincing myself it took till I was 30 years old mm-hmm. is Trevor he's like you're an artist I'm like yeah he's like I know but like Trevor's great for the gas up like that I know he's like you're an artist I'm like ah. but like I got like I know yeah I, I know how to I've like had hammer this conversation really well you know with him, I'm like, an artist times. I can like cut wood well like am I an artist I don't know what I am I yeah. don't I just like I like to express myself in every way I can, but I don't. I can't be like, oh, I'm an artist, and I express. It's just yeah, exactly. It's just not very natural to me. It should be. It, yeah, it should be. It's just so hard yeah, for some reason when you're like. It's weird because we both completely like dedicated our lives to the arts, and we just like find it very hard to be like. <laughs> I'm an artist. And I teach in the arts program. Yeah, and it's just like, but am I though? <laughs> I make literally my entire income off of the arts. <laughs> me too, me too, and it's just kind of like. What is wrong with us? We both live in DIY spaces that we run, like, (laughs) literally, like, our entire (laughs) lives are this, and it's just hard to say it. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, but um, this one, I kind of just let it go. I like it. I like it a lot. I just kind of felt some shapes. The colors are very soothing. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's dabbling on that ultra light side of things. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I never got the whole, like... uh, pink yellow like light blue being so like, uh, like easter no just like just like oh that's too like oh, yeah, i don't like, like that color it's too oh, we're gonna get real classic that's too like girly or too yeah, feminine corny, or, corny. Yeah. and i'm like i love no, i love cool. all colors I equally do i don't i don't I discriminate against my colors. favorite color if you can't tell <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely partial to blue i mean i love blue and i love green but like I think all colors are Yeah, great. exactly. And I think they all have a space here, and I wanted to represent that, I guess. And I just like color and texture and different 
shapes and it's a lot of like organic brush movements as like the squiggles is just like literally mm. I like to see how it behaves like the paint behaves with the water mm. and just kind of leave it as a layer but it's a lot of like organic brush strokes and layers and do, does it come do you have a predetermined thought or does it come in the moment nope, and completely you, comes in the moment you just let it guide the next decision to each I literally or? just will start with like lines I do a lot of like kind of stuff like that's a lot of like weird like warped geometric Mm. So I'll kind of just like start with the shape and then I'll outline the shape with other shapes. And then I'll, once I get like a full like color of the background, then I'll start adding like other mediums as layers. So there's acrylic paint on there. There's spray paint. There's puff paint. Um, yeah, that's, and then I'll just kind of like layer those. So like these squares are spray paint. Um, all the like little dots and stuff are all puff paint. Mixed media is such... Yeah. It's one of my favorite, like, outlets. It's just, like, a bunch of stuff together. Yeah. I, th- so. I think that's kind of, like, a metaphor for your life and my life. Yeah. Kind of doing a, a lot exactly. of different things. Exactly, a lot of different things. So this is, like, a non... Because music can be exhausting to me sometimes, too, <laughs> when it's, like, all I do. Like, I'll want to drive home in silence mm-hmm. a lot of the time or, mm-hmm. like, want to come home and, and not listen to music. Or put on a podcast. Just yeah. Just hear people talk and not music. Exactly. Yeah. And just not... Because you know this. When you're listening to music, like, it's hard to turn off the analyzation part mm-hmm. of it. So it just feels like my brain is doing a ton of just unnecessary work and just... So it's nice to kind of, like, express myself in a way that isn't music. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree. I don't... I don't paint. I've always wanted to and something mm-hmm. I want to get into, but my my favorite other outlet of his would be like poetry and like building stuff. Yeah. You know, like a project of like Yeah, like, you'd build some crazy stuff. <laughs> that cabin is crazy. The DZ, the DZ itself is a crazy structure. The fact that you build two stages in your backyard every year is dismantle them nicely and yeah, put them right back. It literally, that's so cool. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, I always want to be a carpenter. So this Mm -hmm. is my way of like doing it still without having it be my career and like breaking my back, you know, if I get to do a couple times a year and still hurt my fingers and, you know, get splinters. Build stuff. And then you get to see it done. Mm -hmm. Like you have a literal whole cabin you built. That's crazy (laughs) to me. (laughs) It's, it's something I want to do, um, as a, as a business someday is like build small cabins for people. Cause I just, I love architecture too. I love designing stuff. People are about the tiny house life too. So they are. It's not good timing. Cash out. For those listening and watching. If you want a tiny house, hit Ben up. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. I got a nice nail gun now. I used to do everything by hand. I remember when you got the nail gun. Oh, that changed my life. I remember the summer you got the nail gun. I was so stubborn about it. I, did, I couldn't concede to like the power tools. Yeah. I used to do everything by hand. Like That's crazy. Every, like cutting the wood yeah. with a bow saw and, and doing hammers just bam, bam, bam. Like that's how I grew up doing a lot of construction mm-hmm. work with my, my family and uncles. Um, and now that I have the power tools, oh my God, it's so much easier <laughs> and better. But I just, so I'm always like, I'm not like doing it with my hands. You're you know? doing it with your hands still. I know. It's just so convenient. It's so much the, safer yeah. too, to be honest. Yeah. Like statistically, to hit like a thousand nails in without hitting anything is so much harder than like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But ear protection, please, when using yeah, power tools, people. Absolutely. That's where it's protect some your ears damage. in general. Things you don't think that are gonna hurt your ears can really hurt your ears mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, my the last episode I did was a was really great about informing people on that. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to be able to talk to an actual audiologist about it. Awesome. Yeah. I hope people listen to that to learn. Yeah, listen to that. <laughs> please. Man, I'm going to use the restroom real quick, but you can keep talking about anything you want. I'll be back in 15, 20 seconds. Okay, cool.
I'm gonna keep talking about stuff. I'm gonna also check my phone. I got a lot of text messages. Wow, it's already one o'clock. That's crazy to me. We've been talking forever. Oh, you can hear my stomach now. Can hear the hear the stomach. If anybody who works in touring um, is listening to this in the next week, um, go to www.theleeinitiative.com. They are doing something, a program called the Touring Professionals Kitchen. It's, you can, um, the chefs at Girl and the Goat and Grant Ashots of Alinea and Royster are giving free meals on Tuesdays and Thursdays to all touring and music industry people and food service workers. And they're fantastic. And it's like my favorite program that I've found that is literally by musicians for musicians. And, and it just feels really nice to be looked after in that aspect and, so, if you're watching this, check it out. Hi, Bo! Hi, Bo's gonna come in here. Hi, Bo! It's been so long. Oh, Bo. Hi, Bo, Sif. He's like, oh my god. How are you recovering from your surgery? His tail from hitting it. Oh, he's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing well. He's still getting by. Good Aww, job, Bo. Good job, All right, Bo. Bobby. Get Oh, great. Huh? All right, get your fur out of my studio. All right, bye, Bo. Great to see you. Bye, going out. Love you. <laughs> Man. I love Bo. Bo's the best dog on this best planet. Best dog. And I'm so glad that he's doing better. Best dog, 2020. Man. 2021, 2019, 2018. Forever. Best dog. <sighs> Breather. Yes. I was just telling the people that there's a lovely program by this company, or this non-for-profit called The Lee Initiative that is giving meals to touring and music professionals from, like, really good restaurants. So really? Girl and the Goat and the Alinea guy mm. are doing it. So every Tuesday and Thursday. Check it out. That's amazing. Yeah. W- where can they find this information? Um, Theleeinitiative.com. www.theleeinitiative.com. That's awesome. Yeah. It's called the Touring Professionals Kitchen. It's it's really program. nice of them. Yeah. It's really cool. So I'm going to go pick up my girl and the goat meal later tonight. That's great. Yeah. I'm happy that people have some heart to do things like yeah. that who, ha- who can afford to. Exactly. Right. And it's going on through the rest of January. So if you're watching this, do it. Now, it also... Um, the federal government, if you're watching this or listening to it, which you probably are, NSA. Do more. Um, please uh, help out um, your citizens who've been giving you tax money their whole life yeah. and generations of tax money. Please help them out too. Mixed earners are people too. <laughs> That's my PSA. My, my biggest qualm with existence in society is people thinking that like, creative people in the arts are kind of just like this thing you don't need. And I'm like, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do for, for fun? For fun, always. What are you tweeting about missing? Shows. Culinary arts? Food. It's literally called culinary arts. Yeah. Music, it's an art. And people who run music, there's producers, engineers, there's A servers. Whole 12 million people work behind the scenes yeah. in the United States. Yeah. And just live music. And you, everyone loves music. And everybody loves shows and everybody is Film. so quick to be like, can't wait till this is over so I can go to a show. It's like, I can't wait till this is over so I can get a paycheck. Yeah. Like. No, everybody, every everyday person, anybody who has a job, a nice job somewhere or they, they go here or they work in a warehouse or they build stuff or they're uh, an accountant. They go, they, they have life. extracurricular activities exactly. they do outside of their, their, their work. They love watching TV. That's an art form because yeah. there's actors, there's directors, people who write that. Exactly. There's, it's, it's, exp- 
expen- it's extensive and it's just so frustrating when even in school, like in, mm-hmm. in colleges and even high schools, like we were talking about CPS, like the funding for it for some reason, I obviously it's math and arts the first thing to get or cut. math and science are really important. Yeah. But your sanity and emotional music expression is just, is just as stuff. important. And math and science is part of music. It is. So if yeah. you want to teach math and science, you can also teach music that way. Mm-hmm. Like, How many notes in an octave? Yeah, or physics of sound sound waves. (laughs) How many notes are an octave? (laughs) Harmonics, that's a big thing in live sound. Like you deal, like the way I was taught EQ is through harmonics and harmonics being just multiples of each other. Mm -hmm. And that's math. Learning that helped so much with Literally, EQ. Literally, yeah. I was like, oh, that's how I get rid of the ringing in the floor, Yeah, if you want to get rid of something, double the frequency and then have it. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Mm Mm-hmm. I know, unfortunately for those who don't know what we're talking about, they're like, what are they talking about? I just do additive EQ on everything to, to I just do additive EQ on, on 90 hertz. EQ is a equalization <laughs> for those who don't know. Um, it's something you do to change the harmonic structure or the timbre of a tone that is uh, existing yeah. in the elastic media, that medium that's air. <laughs> it's what we use to manipulate sound, basically. Yep. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. It's our. In, it's like our. In live sound, I think it's your biggest instrument. Like it's our it's your salt biggest and pepper. Tool. It's really our salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand the difference between studio EQ and live EQ. If I can go back to that for a second. Go back to it. Go back to that. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's really all I. Have that's. To say. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Don't do additive EQ in live sound unless it's like maybe anything below a hundred, and don't do a lot. You heard it here first. Yeah, subtractive EQ only for live sound, my guys and <laughs> girls, girls especially. Man. And gender non-conforming people, because I think that's really important, and I really want to make space for more gender non-conforming people in live sound too, because I know plenty of them that also don't really get the respect they deserve. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. No, you're very right. Very important to acknowledge. That's probably been like the biggest thing to be more aware of the like the last mm. five years, but I'd say the last like two yeah. or three years. And I try years. to be like more aware of that in like the men versus women conversation because mm-hmm. it's not just men versus women. It's not. I mean, you know, you that's like it's men versus everyone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm trying. I'm sorry. <laughs> not you, Ben. <laughs> you know I'm not talking about you. Um it that's one of the f- hardest things about being like I, I, I said this this is always my joke that I said in the first one, like the perceived white man, because mm-hmm. I'm like half Mexican. But like, um, everyone thinks I'm a white man yeah. or Jewish. I get Jewish yeah. a lot, although I am seven percent. You're seven percent, according Jewish to Twenty Three and Me. Until it changes, I've had my change five times. My first one told me I was twenty percent Italian. Really? I had a whole identity crisis over it. Whoa! I was like, that's a weird wow, change. Like, I'm Italian to go back to ninety six percent marinara out of a mug the next day. <laughs> And then, like, it updated, and it was like, no, you're just Moroccan. And I was like, all right, that's what I thought. My bad. Ancestry.com, get your act together. Right, yeah. But I've noticed, actually, all my white friends who have done Ancestry.com have never had an update. Trevor's had an update once, and he's who I keep tab. He's my white friend. I've never had an update on 23andMe. All my African, black, Mexican friends have all had updates. Hmm. All my African friends have had, like, four or five updates. I don't know what that means or what it's, that is. It, well, what it is is because DNA testing is financially inaccessible to people of lower income. Mm. And unfortunately, we live in a system where I people of saying. lower income They're not are doing it. They don't have enough black to and pull brown. from. Exactly. I got it. Okay. So there's not enough data pool. So I guess as they collect more data, it changes. But, f- like, I remember I was looking at Trevor's and it was like, you settled in... 
Like your family settled in Kentucky super and moved specific. super specific. And mine just tells me 96% North African on my fifth update. <laughs> you settled in Kentucky where doesn't you e- married your cousin. <laughs> Literally. It doesn't even tell me I'm Moroccan. It's like Northern Africa. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. That's just it's not like a couple family, million square miles. <laughs> Literally. It's like your family moved from Scotland to Kentucky and branched out to this. I was like, what? They're like, you really got your money's worth out of this. I just had an identity crisis. Wow. I didn't even think about that, but you're yeah, absolutely yeah, correct. No, that's, I forget that's how they get the information. Mm-hmm. Like 23andMe pulls it from like I think something like 8 or 10 million people. Yeah. And yeah, it cost DNA money. testing is a luxury. Like, it was it's $200 because I, um, I got the health one too, oh, which was awesome. I kind of want to do that. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I, But I well, know I'm going to be a little scared. I was not scared. I'm just glad that it said I had like zero var- I mean obviously it's not 100% mm-hmm. but it's helpful to yeah. like, kind of give you a guide to what you probably should be aware of like my grandparents both had diabetes mm-hmm. uh, on both sides yeah. and my mom and dad do and my sister have it so it's okay, like so. I knew like I have a good chance and I looked it up and it told me 38% chance of getting type mm-hmm. 2 diabetes and then I was already like alright I'm running on a health kick. Now I'm like yeah. real specific. Yeah, like, you look know. fantastic, by the way, since Thanks. last time I saw you. Not <laughs> since that last time when you were 40 pounds heavier. I didn't know. That's not what I mean. It's okay, I'm a man. You can talk about this way. We don't have feelings. Okay. We're not supposed to express well, what we're supposed to just. Ben. We're supposed to be sexist and we're supposed to be mean, mean and we're supposed to be aggressive. And, and, and that's slim it. gyms. Don't feel anything. Don't talk don't about eat how you slim feel. Slim gyms and drink beer. Die of a heart attack at 50 right. and call it a day. Like, and that's you all died doing what you loved. God damn it. That's another thing, like... I hate that shit. <laughs> man, like, of course. Like, of course. In the tier of struggles and pain, of course. Mm-hmm. But what leads to a lot of struggle and pain is men being told their whole life, specifically strong, big white men, is yeah. don't feel anything, don't express anything. Like, yeah. what do you think that leads to? Yeah, it leads I mean, to shooting yourself in the head more than anybody else does. It's true. It leads to hanging yourself. It yeah. leads to beating people. It leads to alcoholism. It yeah. leads to suicides. It leads to problems. And poor self-worth. And, it leads yeah. to like not like seeing a woman mixing and having this. Yeah, you not, have to say something for exactly. some reason. Because you know? otherwise you haven't asserted dominance and you exactly. can't create this. That's how you create the space to, for yourself to feel safe. But mm-hmm. it's just actually harmful. Yeah. Because you, it's it's a trauma response. You're responding to people telling you not to do something and like mm-hmm. to take away your space. So you want to create your own space. And unfortunately, sometimes that's a, it's done in a really toxic way because mm-hmm. it's a power. Like you want to create your own space by taking power away from somebody else. Yeah. Heavy that's that. not fair. It's not fair. Again, it's I'm not being like, oh, whoa, who's yeah, my no, life? I that's know. not Because I've always been think. comfortable with expressing yeah. myself. But I knowing a lot of mm-hmm. men and seeing that, hearing they're like not knowing how to get it out. Yeah, they never like. You, you know. know? Just like observing, be okay with like crying. Yeah, like I was watching this movie the other day, Beautiful Boy, and I was mm-hmm. like seven thirty in the morning. I'm just like crying Sobbing. watching it because <laughs> I'm just like I know so many people that have drug and, and mental illnesses, mm-hmm. and like this, this was such a good representation of it. Um, and I was just like, why, why, like, and I wasn't even ashamed if someone came down and saw me crying, like, what's up, dude? You gotta watch this movie. Like, <laughs> you should not be ashamed of like I'm still me yeah like i'm still exactly. a human being like i don't you feel things it'd be weird yeah. if you didn't it'd be it, it's You'd a problem be, like low-key a sociopath if well you didn't. it leads to a lot of serious yeah, issues exactly not expressing how you feel and not being okay with like it's okay to be wrong yeah it's okay to apologize 
It's okay to forgive. It's okay to listen to other people. Listen to other people. Learn from them. There's 7.8 billion exactly. of us. Exactly. Like, it's okay that there's other experiences that aren't yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can be wrong. And you can learn from them too. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. But um, sorry. Thank you for what you said. Like, uh, just yeah. So like the 23 and <laughs> me, that was like, I'm gonna be really healthy and avoid diabetes and no yeah. more sugar. Um, it's but there's a couple other things like no Parkinson's or cool. less very likely not to have it. Alzheimer's, dementia, the things yeah, that you know really how to take scare care me. of your body to avoid things. Now yeah, because of that. Yeah, like if you got. You have the two variants for dementia. Maybe do a lot more uh, nootropics, mm-hmm. exercise more, read more, yeah. do Sudoku, do math problems, like do exactly. things that kind of stimulate the mind. Imagine more. if we could give that to everybody, if that was accessible for everybody. We should. Exactly. The government and it should, should, be. Pay, should give that to all its exactly. citizens who pay taxes. Yeah. Because that's but a that lot of money, but guess what would be better for society? People are healthier, yeah. more aware, and smarter. Education leads to more longevity and a better society. Preventative health care. Is the answer. Mm-hmm. But since we have so many like blockages to get health insurance, you can't get it with a pre-existing condition. You can't stay on your parents' mm-hmm. health insurance. You can't do this, that, whatever. You know yeah. what, too? Jewel Osco? I don't want to walk into Jewel Osco and see all the chips and candies. The first thing I see in the little the little breezeway between the two doors, yeah. it's just lined with chips and candy. I'm like, Why? It should be vegetables and because pistachios that are them, unsalted. Yeah, it's like cheaper for them to produce that stuff. And yeah. it's unfortunately, grab it, grab yeah. It, grab it. And I'm so sick of people. I'm on food stamps right now, and I'm so sick of people shaming people for what they buy on food stamps. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's you yeah. should buy wild, fresh Alaskan salmon. Yeah, exactly. That's healthy for you. But I'm also sick of people shaming people for buying junk food because, like, if you only have so much money to eat, like, you're gonna buy the stuff that's the cheapest. Yeah, and that is. Food that is pro- like heavily processed. It shouldn't be though. Exactly. It, the, the, the nice stuff, the wild Alaskan salmon, that should be cheaper. Exactly. But if you have $20 to spend, are you going to spend it on one piece of salmon or are you going to spend it on 12 frozen dinners? Right. No, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, gr- the reason why I have this like, I I have this unnecessary disdain for Aldi. Not, for no reason. <sighs> No, no, not not for a bad reason. It's because I grew up on it. Yeah. So I have this like, I just think of growing up only eating Aldi because we didn't. We were working class and it was yeah. just Aldi and it was the cheapest. This is the 90s. So yeah. like not what Aldi is now. Not like yeah. Trader Joe's and how they own that. It's not like that. It was back then. It was like where the lowest of lowest income mm-hmm. people went was Aldi. Yeah. And growing up, they were eating that or drinking that 96 cent fat-free skim milk. Yeah. Like the friendly gl- farms, oh, like the worst quality, and it was just I was it was normalized to me. Yeah. I didn't know any better, but then I got a little bit older, and I got like my first paycheck from like Subway, my first job, and I went somewhere else, and I was like, brand name, high quality stuff exists. I was like, yeah. Wait, what? It's crazy how weird food is. It like I don't know how food is regulated and how they make it ex- like healthy food is really only accessible to wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start buying healthier food until I started working at yeah. ISU. Yeah. Like I, I, it took me twenty eight years to have r- remotely healthy food. Yeah, and it's easy. It, there's some ways to eat very healthy for not a lot of money, and mm-hmm. I was taught that because of like my parents didn't grow up eating processed food. They grew up going to the market every day, mm-hmm. and like my dad grew up on a lemon farm. Okay, like everything was grown or picked up from the market. It was meat, fruits, vegetables, grains. That's amazing. You don't eat like so. My parents taught me how to like 
go to the discount mm-hmm. like produce stores and pick the best stuff. So you've always been kind of yeah. Go home, chop it up. Pro like freeze stuff. Freezers are your best friend if you don't have a lot of money and you want to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. You go, you buy produce that's like kind of at its almost at its end. You prep it, you can cook it, freeze it, and you have healthy food for. And that was like a yeah very important thing for me to see and learn growing up. But it's yeah I don't know. I've had to like compromise a lot of my budget especially since I have to eat on this new diet now for the Crohn's that I have to eat a lot of like very very like hyper healthy or special like specialty healthy foods so I do have to shop at Whole Foods yeah and I'm just sick of people like like when I take out the blue card to swipe it's like I still need to eat like Mm -hmm. I still need like yeah why are you gonna shame me you're human you have this this now this um this health yeah people are like you don't need it if you can shop at Whole Foods it's like yes I do like I'm not going to let, like, I'm not going to adhere to the system that just because Mm -hmm. I don't have, like, it works here, so I'm going to use it here. Mm -hmm. I love Whole Foods, but not because of Whole Foods. I love the concept of Whole Foods. Like, I love going there and just looking at, like, the healthiest, thinnest, wealthiest people. It's the worst people I just, it's like the, it's like the worst, best people watching because it's so easy and cliche. You're just like, "Mm -hmm, Mm mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Of course. People walking around, they're like glass of wine. Uh-huh. The Lincoln Park one. I'm like, oh, Lincoln Park. The one. The one on uh, Sheffield and Fulton. No, the one the Kingsbury by one. Oh, okay. The big one. Okay. Whole Foods. Yeah. I love the concept of it. I love the if concept. If the price but went down about Jeff 30, Bezos. 40, 50%. And they can do it. They can do it because oh, yeah. Amazon owns it, but he's a scumbag and won't do it. And I, yeah, I hate to say that I spend my money there, but I don't the go there place, often. It's the only place to find. Decent stuff. At this point, Jewel in like Mariano's, it's when I buy my groceries there, it's the, almost the same price. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm just gonna go to Whole Foods. Yeah, the thing is, a big misconception about like, like we were talking about just a couple minutes ago about healthy food is if you're educated and smart about it, mm-hmm. like vegetables are not that much money. No, they're not, and they're it's really not. But we're not at, like, and they're so good for you. There's no general education about like eating that kind of like mm-hmm. healthy food, and vegetables aren't really like centralized it seemed as like a hip thing now to like eat kale but it's like kale is actually really cheap you can go to aldi and buy like a pound bag of chopped kale and you can put it in smoothies you can make salad and Mm -hmm. that's Mm $2.99 you have a whole week of chopped kale Mm -hmm. that's not expensive i'll go i'll get like carrots i'll chop them up prep them maybe like roast them in a little sauce or something freeze them Mm. and then whenever i need vegetables i have frozen vegetables that I can just thaw out and it's a meal. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be smart about yeah, it. You it's can't a lot just of, be like, I'm going to buy this, this, and And you that. need to have time. It's a time luxury thing too. Uh-huh. Right now I have a ton of time to do that kind of stuff. When I'm working. And it's just you. You're shopping for just and you. And I'm just shopping for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be creative with like three, four kids and your husband yeah. and whatnot or, or vice versa. You, your wife's working and yeah. you lost your job and now you got to do it. It's like, that's another thing dude. Dude, I just called you dude. I never dude. call anybody dude. dude it's like not a common dude. thing I do though. Anyway, um, a lot of men are not educated mm-hmm. on food because your whole life you're taught, like, go to work oh, yeah. and the women will figure it out. Feed you, and it's like, I know so many men who just dump the brick of ground beef and... They suck it. And throw stuff. the pasta sauce in it and they're like, yeah, the pasta sauce is going to season the beef. And I'm like, <laughs> are you out of your mind? It should be taught throughout elementary, yeah. junior, and high schools, nutrition and, and dieting and food. take Comic. Boys take wood shop. Yeah. Like, it's like, shut up. I did take... So I took... Uh, home ec and cooking in, in high school. I was, mm-hmm. I was the only guy. 
And I took it my senior year, and it was all like freshman, sophomore girls. Exactly. As the only guy. And I already had a lot of skill in the kitchen because mm-hmm. my mom. But I would always make stuff. We'd have like, okay, you have to make, the best was you had to make cookies. I made cookies the way that, that I've been making cookies mm-hmm. my whole life. And everyone knows I make cookies. And my teacher, she threw them out because I didn't make it the way she wanted to. What? She threw them out in front of everybody. That's not what food is about. And that's a horrible lesson to teach that if it's not exactly what the recipe is, you throw it out. Like, yeah. That's a really horrible like. I think lesson. she was just mad because my cookies are better than hers. Yeah, what a hater. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much weird stigma about food and, like, the way the system is built is inherently just against disenfranchised black and brown people. Always, there's no education. It's mostly food deserts in places where black and brown people live. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of subject to what's around you. And if you don't also have the education and the luxury of the education and the time, or I guess the privilege of education and Mm -hmm. having extra time because you're not working like a thousand jobs to... Mm -hmm. And the proximity to the better And the proximity to the, yeah, to the good stuff. If you can only go to this one corner store that has like mid-produce... I'm going to buy frozen food. All right. I'm going to buy frozen wings. like mm-hmm. Or fast food. Cause yeah, because you have to feed a lot menu. of people. Exactly. Or you're gonna, and it's, yeah, it's really sad. The, uh, yeah, it just bums me out. That it's it's a bad system. And it's yeah, and we system. get rid of like 50% of usable food per year. Like 80% of produce is deemed unusable by the way it looks and just goes to the trash. and. Mm. That's we need gardens. Yeah, and we have people starving, which is like the most upsetting thing to me is that people are starving in places like Whole Foods or restaurants I've worked in. We'll throw away the food instead of like I've gotten in trouble for taking a container of chicken nuggets from or chicken tenders from House of Blues because no one's allowed to eat. They're them. gonna throw it out. Yeah, instead. they're gonna throw it out instead. I was like, you're gonna throw it out. I'm in. Why college. not donate it? Right. I'm like, I'm in college. Like, I will eat twenty chicken tenders. Like. Yeah. Donate it to the 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 uh, employees. Give it to yeah. To be part of like the contract, like you after everything's been, like the food's been used. Yeah. And the the night's done, the deeds are done. Like as an employee, you're allowed to yeah. have the food. And they've always been free. really weird about that. Like we were allowed to sometimes, but like it'd be like food that sat out for eight hours. And nobody wants that's unsafe. And but yeah, we'd get in trouble sometimes if we did it while it was still like good or hot or like even like a couple hours after it had been served for like buffet or like for traveling artists or something like it's just people got to eat man Ugh, it, it drives I, me crazy we got to do something about it i hate the culture here around food too like i hate i hate it in like i grew up in such like a food centric culture like that's like in like cuz obviously it's very like my family was very like heavily islamic that like w- Food is what brings us together. We don't get together to drink. We don't get together to, like, smoke or anything. Like, family gatherings are all based around food. Everything mm-hmm. you do in your family is based around food. Alcohol is not – Is that? it's not allowed, right? Or is it not it's really a not thing? It's not allowed, but you can still buy it there. Okay. And people still definitely drink. Like, a lot of my uncles drink. Okay. I, did, I didn't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, not – like, you can't buy it during Ramadan mm. is, like, the big one right. in, those kind of, in those countries. But it's still available. I need to learn more about and try more Middle Eastern food. Yeah, because a lot of the re- there's a lot of restaurants around here. Um, this place called the Nile. Oh, I love the love Nile. The Nile. Oh, you know about it? Yeah, I've been taking me there. Oh, it's good. And the guy there, he I started going there so much. He started knowing me. Whenever I'd wait in line, he'd always give me free falafels. And then he was so nice that he serves um, pita bread there. Mm-hmm. But his is like made the, the stuff they make. They make it in like. Um, 
certain quantities and it's quick. It's a restaurant. Yeah. And he's like, you know, if you buy the hum- get the hummus here, but then go around the corner, there's this awesome bakery and they make the pita fresh there. It's better. So at his own restaurant, yeah. he's telling me like, get this here and then get that there and then combine them. And I was like, and I did it. That's the culture. You want to yeah. make sure pe- like your way of expressing like love is by feeding people. Feeding them and like it's, you know, it's about community. Like sharing he, food. Clearly, yeah. it's right around the corner. They probably yeah, may, they not know even know other. them, but it's like, yeah, his, they, they're a baker. They focus on pita. Mm-hmm. You can get t- a dozen pitas for like $2 exactly. and they're warm it's steaming in the bag the money. still. It's about making sure you have the best like experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's and I bet you that guy is like when you go to his bakery, he goes, yeah, get this here. And then go to the Nile and use yeah. their hummus, you know? And if you go to their house, they got... Well, I didn't do much, and there's a whole table of food and tea and the whole thing. And that's how I grew up. And, yeah. like, whenever we had people over, that's what happened. Or whenever we went over to, like, other oops, Moroccan families and stuff like that, it, that's how it went. Like, mm-hmm. And I don't know, when it, just, like, being here and, like, going through high school where, like, I'd get yelled at for eating in class or, like... I'd get yelled at, like, even in college, I'd get yelled at for eating in class. I'm like, who cares? Like, I have to eat. Like, Were you every- in the sound, like, studios and stuff? In the live room, it was okay. Oh, okay. In the live room was okay. I didn't know that. But, like, even in, like, gen eds, like, I took a, I remember one time, I used to have, like, a Wednesday that was, like, fully stacked. I would TA a class in the morning, and then I had two afternoon classes, and then I had a night mm-hmm. class. So it was, like, I had a half hour for break between 11.50 and 12.30, and then every other time I had 10 minutes between. A lot of Cafe Cito. A lot of Cafe Cito. But, so one time I was at Cafe Cito, the lines are long. Especially during like lunch and six uh-huh. thirty dinner hour, because every it's right there. So mm-hmm. I went and I was late, for like ten minutes late for class. And he was like, "Why are you late?" And I was like, "Cause I needed to eat dinner." He's like, "I don't care that you needed to eat dinner. You need to be in class." I was like, "Sorry, I've been in this building all day. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna eat dinner. Like, I, why are you on me about that? Mm-hmm. That's just such a weird and like petty thing. I feel like that people are on here. Different cultures, and it's just like not professional to like eat in front of clients or like." I don't know, like at work, like it's only professional to take your lunch break behind, like in the backstage area. Like you can't, I don't like. It's so interesting because like I know what you're saying, but I'm so used to the American culture. I'm like, yeah, right? Aren't you? Yeah, you're not supposed to eat. But then I'm like, I love. Why? Yeah, I know. Why? why? I love food. I love sharing it. I love making with people. I yeah. love eat, trying their food. Food is the best exactly. thing to bring people together by exactly. far. Exactly. And I just, yeah, I just hate that it's like, if you like work a job or something like you can't sit there and snack like why not like why not mm. why not why can't i eat some pretzels while i mix a band like, <laughs> i'm like oh no, yeah you know you're right you're right the only stipulation would be like if you're in a class that has a, a bunch of gear and there's 20 people if everyone's eating you raise the yeah, chances of spillage getting. crumbs getting on the gear stuff like yeah, that but that's what i liked about the live sound room too is that they were like you're adults act like it mm-hmm and that's what bothered me so much about, like, in childhood, it was, like, uh, being micro. Like, I remember I had a French teacher, and I used to drink a lot of coffee in high school. And I would get my Dunkin' Donuts, because I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> I would get my Dunkin' Donuts every morning with the wasteful styrofoam cup over it, because that's what you do mm-hmm. when you live on the South Shore of Massachusetts. <laughs> um, and I had French, like, second period or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there like this with my coffee. And my teacher came and was like, give me that. You drank coffee in high school, huh? Yeah. How? Uh, when did you start drinking coffee? Ninth grade, tenth grade. Wow. I right. did a lot in high school. Like I did school all day, ran track in the afternoon, and then did band at night, like jazz oh, band or shoot. pit band or whatever band. Re- I would have at least one band rehearsal. All four years. Wow. Yeah. 
Do you still run it all? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I've recently gotten back into it, but I ran. I was. I ran three seasons in high school, so I ran cross country, wow. winter, and spring track. If you're ever interested in doing any um five Ks with us, I think we're gonna start. Hell Eddie yeah. and Kat I'd love do to. Them. I'm gonna start I'm doing big, too. Yeah, I was just thinking about signing up for one. That was yeah, what we ran in cross country it was five Ks. And guess what, people? Weekly. You can social distance while you run five K. Yeah, it's true. So it's I would, probably a good good thing to do. Yeah, actually, so let me know. I would love to run yeah, a little five well, K. I will. Yeah, I did a half marathon when I graduated high school, and then oh, wow. I kind of fell off with running. <laughs> I went to art school, and nobody was doing that. So running, you got to be careful running because, like, while you're young, you're like I could do this, but it's like there's not long longevity yeah. in it. it. It's pretty rough on the knees, yeah. the hips, the ankles. I try to focus on like trail running now. I trail live running. right by the six oh six, but every time I run on it, it just like ruins my knees and hips. It's bad. I what I've taken up. For the the biggest thing of um like health and diet has been I go on hikes at five mile mm-hmm. hikes every day. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. There's so many benefits. It's unreal. Just the the sheer fact of being outside. Yeah. And then also being with your thoughts, reflecting, meditation, yeah. taking in the world and seeing nature and moving through it and having a, a beginning, middle, and end that repetition. Yeah. And it's like I'm I'm lucky that I'm working at home and I have the time to do it because not everyone does. But if anyone's listening that works from home and has the time or is unemployed, get out there and yeah. like do stuff. Like move, exactly. start small. If it's hard to walk that far, start with one mile. But try to get on trails because yeah. even walking on concrete for them, it's bad, bad for the knees. For knees yeah. So I stay on trails or grass always. Yeah, so yeah. I've been trying to like integrate even more like late night walks. I'll just like walk around my block or walk down Milwaukee or something like mm-hmm. that. Or just, I don't know. I'm like I moved to the city to not sit in my house, I guess, so... What a rough time to be in the city. Yeah, it's like the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing in the city. Year Mm -hmm. there, it's desolate. I'm lucky that I live in such a big space that I same space, right? Yeah, same space. So if yeah, if I didn't live there, it'd be rough Mm -hmm. because I just have so much space and so much like. I can do whatever. Like I can set up like a whole like art setup, or like I can project movies on the wall, or I can mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I can literally just like lie on my floor. I can do yoga. Like I yeah. have a ton of space to do a ton Work of stuff. Work out, yeah. And I have enough. Like there's enough space that I'm not like on top of. Like me and my roommates are not on top of each other, so we're mm-hmm. not like I want to use this space right now because there's spaces for us besides our bedrooms that all three of us can be in and not be on like in each other's way which mm-hmm. is great it is great That's and yeah and you have the here. same thing yeah. yeah i know like when someone's watching stuff there i can go there yeah. someone's doing there and i can go in the basement exactly the garage the backyard it's very um i'm fortunate and grateful yeah. i mean it comes with you know it comes with a, a price yeah. but that price is worth your sanity yeah. and emotional stability and right now the, um, the price of that is a little bit lower to like not having a million random people in your house obviously is Mm -hmm. during this is it's like nice because you have the space more to yourself Mm -hmm. and yes and i've been really thankful for that too is just having all that space to is that that's been uh what what are some of the the big things you've done to keep your your mental health under the last nine months of what you've lost um painting has been a big one um and doing that i've been watching unfortunately just a lot of garbage tv like what like everything like i love 90 day fiance <laughs> um i love real housewives especially real housewives in new york please City. keep going this is too good i yeah a lot of people don't know this about me i my taste in television is garbage <laughs> people don't expect it because i'm like very like 
well spoken about a lot of other like artistic things and they'd be like have you seen this like crazy gripping show and I'm like no I've been watching TLC for three days straight the Kardashians keeping it with no, the seriously I love that like I I hate to you say you I know something funny I, I don't mean to generalize here but yeah. a lot of w- women I've talked to like that you would think the same thing that you described yeah. yourself keep telling me like yeah but I, then I watched this and I think I think it's just like a decompression to like break away it from is. like the constant I don't have to think about anything exactly. when I watch that there's stuff. nothing wrong with exactly. that you know like when I'm watching Ozark I'm like <laughs> stressed <laughs> stressed white exactly. knuckling it <laughs> literally like all those kinds of shows that you have to like really pay attention this I'm like oh, I'm gonna go make a quesadilla like mm-hmm. that's like my version of that is just I listen to a lot of uh, uh, comedic podcasts okay. to just like I'll be sitting there like doing something like yeah. uh, doing something for school or emailing but then I'm like laughing at like yeah. these comedians that are just saying crazy saying stuff. Like that's stuff. my version of like then like that's where I get exactly. it from. I don't really watch a lot of stuff anymore. I, um, my New Year's resolution was to get rid of all my subscriptions to everything. Wow. Yeah, and I slowly did that from like November to now, and uh, I only have a couple of days left on my Amazon. Nice. Oh my god, it's been amazing. Yeah, I don't I, pay for any of my subscriptions, <laughs> which is really bad. But I have logins to almost all of them. Oh, yeah. everyone knows somebody. I know, and luckily, I know enough people to yeah. have harvested. Well, I'm lucky because that TV, um, Eddie and Brian have all this mm-hmm. stuff in there. So the only time I can watch anything is if I go to that TV. Okay. So I made it to where there's like a designated spot if I have to. It's not my phone, not yeah. my laptop, not anywhere exactly. else in the house. So like, if I want to watch something, can, I go to the theater. Yeah. You know. And then you can actually enjoy that room for its purpose rather than just being, like, on mm-hmm. a tiny phone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So. But I do love everyone's guilty pleasures. Everyone's got them. Yeah, in some and it's way. not even – the worst part is it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's, like, pretty much my taste in it's television. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but I – like, any, like, garbage reality show, I'm here for it. <laughs> and I'll watch it over, like, real, like – People are like, have you seen The Queen's Gambit? And I was like, no. Nope, Don't get me started but, um, on that uh, show. Yeah. I, the, the, I lo- I've watched it. I'm sure it's fantastic. No, it's great. I I like the show. Yeah. I love the concept. I love all of it. What I'm bothered by, and you're hearing this first from me, I've been in love and always loved chess my whole life. Um, I grew up playing Everybody's it. out of the word work. <laughs> and everyone, no, no, no. Everyone's, you get made fun of. You're a nerd. You're a dweeb. You're a geek. You play this weird game no one gets. And now it's hip because pop yeah. culture said so. That's cool. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, now. I know why it's hip. Yeah. A beautiful woman's playing. Yeah. Sex sells. There was a, net, a Netflix show about it. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. So. It's, it's, I love the fact that it is woman playing. Yeah. I think that, I think that's great. But I, I know what is going on behind yeah, that motive. Exactly. Not the genuine part of like, yeah, everyone should be able to play this amazing Heavy thinking, yeah. probably the well, hardest like if thinking. Women game. can do it. I can do it. Exactly. And that's like, Shut up. It's oh, shit. I have nothing wrong with anybody playing it. It's yeah. it's what Netflix and television and pop culture is doing with, with it. it. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my god. It's been cool to see people like be interested in it though. Like, yeah, it's cool to see. Like, I've seen a lot of people doing like chess competitions. Right. I'm being a little pessimistic. Yeah. I'm being a little over no, the top. Fine. You can it's feel just, that I got way. Thirty years that, of being of a nerd, being bullied and stuff like that. You <laughs> can then, feel that way. And then people are like, oh, the show chess. I'm like, the same chess that everyone's been like loser. Like, oh, yeah. I, I can't. This game's weird. Yeah, this no, and that. Everybody's like, cling. You know what's gonna happen with next? What? Like Magic: The Gathering. Bet you that becomes hip soon. Not in an ironic way. Yeah. I kind of feel that way about, like, like League of Legends and World of Warcraft. I used mm-hmm. to play World of Warcraft when I was in high school, and I also got relentlessly bullied for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just, they're like, why do you play that? 
gamer, you gamer girl. <laughs> I love like, the face you're making. <laughs> things I've suppressed to this uh, point. We're nerds. Nerds get upset yeah. when their nerdiness gets uh, becomes cool. Yeah. Then you're like, well, why was I being exactly? Now everybody's playing League of Legends and making money off of it, and I'm like, why? <laughs> Like these competi- these kids who like win these competitions and win millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and people watch that. Mm-hmm. People watch esports. That's the craziest thing to me now that people watch other people play video games. It's a new, te- or and it's a new program at ISU. That shit is crazy to me. Yeah. That and like when like not even like ten years ago when I was like fourteen and fifteen, like I was just getting full made fun of for it. Like, and everybody I played with just got full made fun of for it, and we were all just. Times Nerd. change quickly now. Computer nerds. They change quickly now. I was like, now. why'd you spend money on a gaming laptop? It's like, I don't know, none of your business. Like, <laughs> so it wouldn't glitch out on me when I'm doing all this crazy stuff. it has good audio and visual cards. Mm-hmm. And you can use it for audio in the future. I didn't know that then, but now. <laughs> <laughs> came back. Uh, first world problems. Just complaining about like this game, that game, this show, that show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get... I'm. Being very facetious, I don't. I think it's a great show, and I really, I'm really glad that actually, one of the most um, gear turning, mind bending mm-hmm. games is becoming like popular, mainstream. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good thing because it if you it's again if you want to like keep exercising your brain and not just like click click like play yeah, games like that. Exactly. You know, it's really good for you. It gets you yeah. thinking in different ways. Gets you planning into the future, learning how to execute certain moves. Gauging on people, strategizing, strategy, in general, in general. Mm-hmm. thinking beyond just one. And it's textile. You're, you're there. You're present. Yeah. You get to read other people's emotions. Yeah. It's fun. And guess what, people? It's okay to lose. Don't yeah. be a sore loser. And it's nice that people have that at this time too. Because mm-hmm. going back to the reason we got on this TV thing is trying to just find something to like keep off of the laptop or the computer or the phone or. Mm-hmm can be kind of exhausting right now because a lot of people, like, if you are working from home, you're on your laptop all day. And then Mm -hmm. if you have, like, another hobby or something, like, I'm sure you are on your laptop all day for, like, to teach. And then Mm -hmm. you have to make sessions on your computer. Mm -hmm. And then you want to decompress. And it's like, I could watch TV because that's, like, a mindless thing to do. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, very easy. But then it's like, wow, you spent your entire day just, like, staring at a screen. That's why I chose, like, walk. The hikes, yeah, and the Music, the bands playing in three bands, like... Yeah, cause I know that's been great that you guys have been doing that like every. Like, I I, I didn't realize how every day. <laughs> I haven't realized how fortunate I am to like have. Most people are like I don't want roommates, but when you're in a pandemic, yeah, it's great to have four exactly, roommates. You're yeah. like, oh, I have people I get to be around and talk to. Yeah. Be, um, our friends have become more transparent and more okay with expression than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, like literally, like we're helping each other. We're like. Zach and I, uh, Zach, who's like in my my bubble, he doesn't go anywhere. He just comes here every day. We we go on walks and hikes every day. We're doing it right after this. I love that. And while we're doing it, you guys we'll have practice wa- tonight. We do actually, yeah, two two practices in a row. Yeah, um, double practice. We'll be walking and then we'll walk past like Eddie and Cat on a jog. I'm like, oh hey, and like hey. we're all doing, yeah. and we're all like promoting, like oh when are you gonna go for a walk? You always want to do this five k. It's like yeah. a year ago we never did this exactly. stuff. Exactly. Like we're take like we'll do like yoga classes and my, like me and my roommates will do that, or we'll play like Catan or Monopoly. Been doing a lot yeah, of Monopoly, just, just a lot fun of board stuff. Games like a lot of just like okay, let's get out of our beds. Yeah. At least we have each other <laughs> type mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I feel bad for those who are alone. Yeah. Or live alone, or yeah. just don't have a lot of friends around. Yeah. Like. 
I have a God. couple of friends who live alone, and I've incorporated them into my bubble, so they're. I did the same. Not, yeah, try to visit Trevor every once in a while. He, yeah, he's been heavy yeah, in our bubble because the first three months, it, when it was really scary, yeah. he wasn't, and he yeah. told me like, dude, it was awful. Yeah, like being, he just moved in. You were there. He yeah, just no, moved and in. I like would show up like I was. Like, I can come once a week. Yeah, yeah, it's been really nice to have a bubble where we can have enough people to where we can play music still. Yeah. And it's weird because it's like we're not playing music for a show, right? No. But we start to realize we're playing music for ourselves. Exactly. And you're improving your skill and you're improving mm-hmm. like the way your band sounds. And mm-hmm. it's just nice to not have like a complete goal with that or like the goal just be like, okay, we have a show this week. We have to practice. It's just like we're doing it to get better. Yeah. We're just getting yeah. better. We're honing in. We're, every band has, you know, 10, 12 songs we're playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I know like, 30 to 40 know, songs Trevor that other people like, wrote. Yeah, he's like, I, we know 40 songs now by memory. And I yeah. was like, that's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. That's, a, that's nine months of just, yeah. there's nothing else. You know, just yeah, keep just practicing. Practicing. We've missed a couple weeks yeah. here and there, but not but really. Honestly, yeah, that's not bad at all for not actually having like a end goal. No, no end goal. I mean, we, we luckily we have a studio we're in. We're going to record the stuff yeah. we're doing. We're blessed because of that. Um and it's cool that you guys got to put out content that, like, you could put time into, too. Like, that beach footage was awesome. Oh, thank like, you. Like, it was super cool. That was insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, that looks so fun. That was a lot of work. Yeah, but, like, you have the time and you guys have practiced mm-hmm. enough and you didn't have to be like, oh, we have this session on this day, so we have to be perfect by this mm-hmm. time. It was just like, all right, we're ready. We had the right place. Yeah. Like, the band we're in, we had someone who has the beach house. Mm-hmm. I had the gear and we had the muscle and the people to carry hundreds of pounds of gear down 180 that. steps through a forest with slanted steps and, and sand and not yeah. getting sand on the gear. And the, it was yeah. it was great, though. That's really awesome. It was wild. That's really awesome. What a wild thing to do. And sitting on the beach with, like, these, the headphones we're wearing, yeah. like, listening to the waves bleeding into the condenser That's mics so and cool. these awesome sevens. Yeah. We're just sitting there before we, like, Zach came with the camera to film us. We're just, like, looking at Vinny and Trevor and Sylvia and Dylan, like, this is insane. The sun's setting behind us. Yeah. Like, no one's around. All the rich people went away because it's getting a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That was super, super cool. Thanks. I feel like the, like, getting to do, like, little things like that here and there have been made it. Like, I did a music video with Jordana. We I recorded saw that. it. Yeah. That was cool, too. Yeah. I forget that she's played here. Mm-hmm. You she, mixed her, right? No. Oh, it was the one year I wasn't here. Oh, Steven. And I did, was I so bummed out about it because yeah. I'm in her band, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. You play sax. Yeah. yeah. Man. I know we were gonna. That do was it. a cool video too. Where, where was that film? It, uh, this abandoned church in Gary. <sighs> Why did I feel like this is probably in Gary? Yeah, it was definitely. It's always in Gary. an abandoned church in Gary. Yeah, it was an abandoned church in Gary, Indiana, and it was like fun. It was so fun. She picked me up at like six in the morning, and we just went, and it was me, her, the cinematographer, an assistant, and this mm. other girl f- photographing, and it was all women. That's awesome. And it was just like... A, she's so talented. She's so talented. Her voice is I amazing. love working with her. She is my favorite artist to like record with and work with in the studio. Her and Brock, like, I lo- like, I don't know. He's such a patient engineer and just like working with them. I, they like allow me to just do what I want. And like I, when I get in the studio with them, we just, they just will play loops and they'll just be like, right, mm. on the spot. So like all the stuff I write for her, like for Saxophone Wise is just me sitting there thinking of something and then just writing layers for it like in harmonies after just I have like Brock will just loop it and I feel like I don't even have to talk to him like I don't like I can talk to him but like I feel like we just understand what's going on and we understand 
like what I, we all just yeah we all just have such like a similar vision for what we want out of the music that it's just like so natural and like non contrived to be working in the studio with them and make music and she just can explain what she wants and I feel like I understand her enough to give it and then Brock like is a great engineer in the way that he just understands like the pace that me and her work at and yeah I love working with them a lot. Mm. There's nothing better than doing a form of creativity or expression and everyone involved is like on the same page, yeah. wavelength and an idea. Yeah. It's a that's one of the best things about the three bands that I've been playing with, similar to what you're saying, just like we're all on the same page. Any qualm is just like a constructive criticism. Yeah. And it's not even a qualm. It's no, like it's just like uh, we're honest. What do you think about this part? What do you think about that part? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we should drop that out and like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And we have nothing to do. Yeah. So we're like, we just repractice it I'm like you know what I kind of like the fact that we took that one part yeah, out change things around a little bit it's not stressful exactly. we're you not don't go in with anything. a total plan like I don't when I do those sessions with her I don't go in with a plan she's just like pull up and I smoke a little weed and I because it's legal now not before it's legal now yeah. not before I never smoked weed before it was legal <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer I'm not sending my mom. Uh, have we, I don't know. Have we smoked weed before? We definitely smoked weed before. But you know, I wouldn't remember because yeah. you know when you're high, your brain, yeah. it's an egg. Yeah. Your brain it fries. It it's on drugs. Makes you lazy and unmotivated. I'm not uh, smoking or drinking this whole month. Nice. Just just to do it. I'm cutting down. It's been great. Oh my god, I've never been so clear headed. Yeah. <laughs> I had friends over the other night and I didn't drink, or like my bubble, and I didn't drink, and I was like, this is sick. <laughs> It's insane like, how good you feel yeah. every morning when you just went to bed sober and also like doing the fasting, like yeah. going to bed on an empty stomach and no drugs in your system. You wake up, you're just like, boom, boom. Clarity. Clarity like no other. Yeah. But it's, I love smoking and drinking. It's, yeah. it's, I've been telling myself and I talk to a lot of my friends about it. Like you have to, it's fine to do it. It's doing it for the right reasons, the right motivation yeah. behind it, not just doing it just to do it. And understanding, like for a lot, of, for me, it's a medicine. So I smoke regularly right, sure. throughout the day. Like I, I transparently smoke about five times a day, five separate times a day, mm-hmm. from pretty much when I wake up to when I go to sleep. Some people have to though, because yeah. if you weren't doing that, you might be popping some pills. Yeah, exactly. So you know? it's my and but like I know I I know that's not something everybody can do. Right. And I know I can still do my job totally fine. I know it helps me actually. Kind of like focus and zero in on mm-hmm. one thing because mm-hmm. my mind tends to be all over the place. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have ADHD, but I think I do. You may seriously you like might. yeah. That's been another thing I've kind of realized through quarantine is just how different. I guess I think about things like my thoughts are just always racing, and when I smoke weed, it's it allows me to Simmers just kind of yeah simmer down and kind of just think of one thing at a time rather mm-hmm. than just like put all that focus into one thing. Yeah, yeah, it's different for everyone. It can definitely get a bad connotation, but I'm like, it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone. Just like drinking is not for exactly, and it affects everybody's brain chemistry differently, and it can give it can lead people to a lot of anxiety, and it can lead people to a lot of like psychosis problems, paranoia, paranoia, like a lot of that kind of stuff. And I just hope that people start to acknowledge that rather than be like, I want to do it to feel cool. But like, I don't know. It's not like, I just, it's not something you need to keep up with. Like I always tell people like, you don't have to like smoke every time I smoke because you want to be like, mm-hmm. if it's going to like mess you up and you're just not going to feel like yourself and you're not going to be able to do anything, don't mm-hmm. do it. Like yeah. I do this because I can and it makes me feel like focused and concentrated and it makes me feel good in my body and like. And most of them might yeah. mitigate any health Yeah, ailments. exactly. And I have a lot of, like, physical pain from 
my disease and it mm-hmm. helps me with that and it helps me not like be nauseous all the time yeah, because way better than yeah. trying to fight that with alcohol or exactly pills, i don't want to take steroid like they wanted me to take a five-week course of steroids for crohn's right before i went on tour i was like there's no way i'm taking a five-week course of steroids while i live on a bus yeah there's no way Mm-mm. so to mitigate that pain and like the nausea because i just Without it, I just am generally nauseous because my stomach is always like burbling and gurgling. Someone said I had a spaghetti strainer stomach yesterday. It's a rough disease. Yeah, it's I'm I'm learning to live with it. It's I could. It's definitely not like the worst thing in the world. It's definitely like something you can live with and live a relatively normal life with. And thank God for like. 2021 knowledge yeah, and, exactly. and food and stuff. Yeah, you could there's do no, a lot with it. Yeah, and there's no real cure for it besides like just managing it with either pharmaceuticals or diet. So I'm mm-hmm. choosing to do it with my diet. And that goes back again to the food thing. I've kind of, even though I don't have like necessarily, especially right now, the income to be buying like all this like super hyper healthy food that's like easy and convenient. Like I've allocated my budget different that like I even though I don't make a lot of like money, I can still spend, like I still spend a lot on food because Mm -hmm. it's just something I need to do for myself. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a part of my treatment and that. So a lot of folks should, uh, you have to do that because of what you're going through. But a lot of people kind of, they, um, they don't prioritize the right things in yeah, life. Yeah, your diet is incredibly important. It is you are literally what you eat. And it is food you. is actually fuel. So if you're not getting the right amount of vitamins, if you're not getting the right kind of things, if you're eating things your stomach has a hard time digesting, because that's the thing I deal with the most. My stomach does not digest a lot of my food. So, like, you just need to kind of compensate for that and understand, like, I need to take intake more vitamins because my body doesn't absorb vitamins because it doesn't break down food. Mm-hmm. So... I need to supplement that in another way. And I think people just don't understand that you can cure so many things that you're on pills for with literally just how you eat. If you change the way you eat a little bit or add some supplements here and there, like you can get rid of a lot of like, like base level or Mm -hmm. I don't know. You can just treat a lot of things. You're absolutely correct. You can treat a lot, a lot of things with food, diet, exercise, Mm -hmm. and lifestyle. Little things like getting more daylight yeah. into your eyes, into your into, on your skin. Yeah. You know, I've been for the last, uh, since I voted mm-hmm. back November 2nd or 3rd, whatever day yeah. that was, uh, I've been getting up at 7 ever since then. Wow. <laughs> because I got up every day, seven days a week. I don't care. Yeah. If worst case, scenario, I might get up at 8 if I like went to bed at like 2 or 3 or something. Wow. But just to get, just the for sunlight. Yeah. Just for the sunlight and exactly. the discipline. Exactly. And that's what I am struggling with now because usually on a regular day, I'll wake up like 11.30 noon and then... Uh, four or five hours, four, yeah, dark four again. Day, yeah. And it's like I spend the first hour in my bed still and I live right under the blue line. So I have a big shelf in front of my bed that blocks all the light or that blocks the window so people can't see me in my bed from the blue line platform. But mm-hmm. it also blocks me getting like a natural cycle of sunlight mm-hmm. like I, do, I don't that's rough yeah so i'm trying to get the get out i live there's a porch right like off my room so i'm mm-hmm. trying to like motivate every morning to go sit out in the porch for like five minutes while i smoke in the morning mm-hmm. like i'll go and 
it's small little increments add to a lot. Mm-hmm. Like don't beat yourself up because you're not doing all these things perfectly. It's yeah. like do little things like your your diet you're saying. Exactly. Um, getting good sleep, like seven, eight, nine hours. Yeah. Um, eating definitely well. That. <laughs> What's up? I said definitely sleeping a yeah. lot. A lot more people are because yeah. of like not having work or being on the work from home and they get rid of the commute. Yeah. So you get that extra 30, 45 minutes of mm-hmm. sleep. It's It makes a huge difference. I mean, but you do these little increments. And yeah. If you treat yourself well, you last longer. You last longer. You feel better. You and feel it's better. very perpetual. Yeah. That feeling of feeling good perpetuates yourself forward to want to keep yeah, doing it. exactly. And then you become annoying because you preach it to people yeah. around you. But, but it's also, you know. yeah, I feel like the incremental process of it is really important because I feel like a lot of people are like, new lifestyle, new me starting tomorrow. I'm going to stop eating. I'm going to cut out white sugar. I'm going to cut out all these processed foods. I'm going to cut out this. I'm going to start running every day. And then you get through a week of that and you're like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm done. Like, why? And I feel like it's easier to slip into that, like, just be like, okay, I'm just going to go back to the way I was because whatever. But I think when you just start to add things little by little, it mm-hmm. it kind of just propels you into... Just a healthier lifestyle in general. They get easier too. Yeah. Like the next task. Yeah. It gets easier. You also psychologically go like, well, I, I accomplished that. I do my running or my hiking yeah. or whatever. I eat well. I've been sleeping. So now like reading more or learning on the second language might get easier yeah. or uh, you, you feel better, more you confident. You want to do it. more things for yourself because you start to see the reward of how doing things for yourself mm-hmm. makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was hard for me at the beginning of quarantine. I just waste manned in my bed for... Like two months yeah. and I just watched TV and I ate and I was doing Instacart. So I was in like Jewel and all these stores I don't usually go to buying like Oreos for people. And then I was like psychologically like, damn, Oreos sound good. People and I was buying buy- Oreos yeah. during quarantine? Oh, oh my God. Wait, wait. I want you with people that insight. buy the worst shit. With the insight. Yeah, I mean, people I want you abuse. to tell the world what people did with quarantine Instacart money. <sighs> people are disrespectful. First and foremost is what I'll say. <laughs> I, yeah, do Instacart in the city. I try to focus in the downtown West Loop area because that's where the money is or like Lincoln Park. Yeah. Cheddar. But also those people don't tip. They're like, bring 10 cases of LaCroix up to my 44th floor apartment and then don't leave you a tip. Oh. And it's like that kind of stuff. People who just buy candy. Like you really have me out in a grocery store buying you $60 of candy Ugh. into delivering it to your house a half a mile away. During a quarantine? During a quarantine, like, you're really risking my life and, like, you're also not tipping me for that, like, or people just hoarding, like, I want 26 packs of chicken sausage, like, just, like, there's not 26 packs of chicken sausage at the store even. And then, were, were you buying a lot of toilet paper and paper towels from people? Yeah, and people would get mad because you can request more on the app, like, you'd be like, I need 20 things of toilet paper and, like, the store only lets you buy one mm-hmm. right now, so mm-hmm. it's like... I didn't get and that craze. Pe- yeah, I didn't get it either. And we have a Costco membership at my house, so like we were already stocked on all that kind of stuff. And but that was so weird. I'm like, you don't survive because of toilet, toilet paper. paper. You survive yeah. because of healthy food. Yeah, exactly. So I don't get it. It was a lot of people getting angry over stuff that like, like why couldn't you get me two things of eggs? And it was like because I literally am not allowed to buy two things of eggs, and then they take your tip away or. Just people being like, there are a lot of really sweet people who left like crazy big tips. Oh, yeah. And like I would bring people's groceries from Costco and they would leave me like $70 tips, like $60 tips. And I love and appreciate all those kinds of people, Mm -hmm. especially because if you have the luxury to sit at home while somebody who is making like $20 or like $10 an hour to like bring you your groceries, like you should treat them well. 
Yeah, like if you yeah, have, you if you like, please redistribute your wealth like through that because the shit I saw in the stores those first couple of weeks was insane. Before the mask mandate, I saw a man in Mariano's literally open a thing of grapefruit juice, drink it, and close it and put it back. I've like gotten in fights with people about like getting the last of something or like it's just I don't know. And to like make somebody go through all that so you can have candy delivered to your house and not leave a tip is really shitty. Candy. That's that's a big yeah. problem. Yeah. Adult eating candy. Candy's a treat. Yeah. It's a treat. Like exactly. have it once in a while. That's fine. Yeah. I get it. Have your s'more, have your Oreos. But like daily? Yeah. And come it's on like now. some people, I don't know, it's like all they buy and like and then they'll have like ingredients for buffalo wings and they'll be like, get me pre-cut celery and that's the only vegetable. The only thing of vague nutrition is cut celery to go with buffalo wings mm. on your order. Not to critique how people eat, I guess, after I said I'm sick of people shaming people for how they eat. But if you're going to get delivery and you're going to pay the price markup, because all the food, everything on Instacart is marked up. If you buy it from the mm-hmm. app, it's all marked up. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to buy marked up food, you obviously have money to do that. And if you're going to get it delivered, you obviously have money to do that. Mm-hmm. So you obviously also have money to afford healthy yeah. foods. Yeah. So why are you making me risk my life in a pandemic to bring you candy? That's a great so, point. So yeah, it was a very dystopian gig to pick up, but I think out of all the delivery apps, you do make the most money. Yeah. I, people I know who did it definitely um did pretty could do pretty well yeah yeah it yeah there was also like a problem with like bots that would like harvest the best orders mm-hmm. and i heard about that as well took me off of it but yeah it was a nice little saving thing and you, i do it you, every you do it so yeah i do it yeah. every once in a while yeah. if the, the orders are good but i don't take i don't know it's got to the they hired like three hundred thousand people at the beginning of the pandemic i was obviously one of them mm-hmm. um but since then it's like kind of like all the good all the things that are worth doing are always snatched up by either the bots or people like immediately. So yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to drive a long way to get $10. It's less too, right? Because people are kind of a little more comfortable yeah, going out now. Yeah, people are more comfortable going out now. And people also, at the beginning of the pandemic in like March and April, people always tipped big, like almost always got like at least $10 of a tip. And now people obviously don't. Yeah. care as much it so. gets old you like, exactly. can't be spending all that money tipping left and right exactly every week, and know? people are going to the grocery store more so there's just like less less available but mm-hmm. yeah I don't know kind of saved my life a little bit this year yeah having a car was nice to be able to do something like that it also puts in perspective for those who had like not just using you as an example but people who had like good healthy normal decent paying jobs mm-hmm. and then makes you respect like the service industry yeah. more people who live off tips yeah like when i i've always left like good tips when i when i do anything but like now if i order like a pizza i'll leave that person yeah. like 50 percent tip exactly because it's like this guy or girl exactly. it's usually some old guy around here is just like it's an old guy yeah like this guy's barely getting by he's like in his and 60s delivering pizza. And why would you ever feel that you're better than them? For, I don't. Exactly. exactly. But a lot of people do in that. Like, I was a server, too. Like, I used to be a waitress. And that's where I just started was, like, being like, damn, people treat service workers like shit. Like, they do. Like, yeah. And this, I don't know, yeah, coming back from, like, I had kind of transcended that and started doing, like, my real career and making, like, a really, like, good amount of money, like, mm-hmm. for what I, like, for working in the arts at my age. Like Of course. 
And then to just kind of go back to that, it was like, yeah, this is very like this is a very real reality. And I it was nice to not lose sight of that, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of people just kind of like are like, oh, that's like a high school job or that's like a if you're stupid job or if you don't have a college degree. But it's like anybody like plenty of smart plenty people, of people are smart bartenders people, yeah. and waiters. Exactly. And it's like, don't like be rude to me because I'm delivering your groceries. Like mm -hmm. I'm a human being. Don't be rude to anybody. Yeah. Don't like be rude. anybody. Yeah. So that was an interesting experience. All the odd jobs this year have been odd. Like the Biden campaign was the weirdest shit I've ever done in my life. Can we talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> so my friend from well uh, this will be the last main subject okay. we talk about yeah holy shit it's two o'clock <laughs> i told you it's a dime yeah, in here wow yeah um i my friend from the smino tour who was the merch guy shout out my guy kent i hit me up like two weeks before the election was like yo come down to north carolina like i'm the head of this office for like the biden campaign like we're just canvassing and you can make like 3k if you come today like by the election and i was like okay <laughs> like i could use that mm -hmm. so they flew me out to north carolina within like literally the next day i got this crazy cool hotel room but i also walked around winston-salem north carolina for like 13 days knocking on doors asking people to vote for joe biden in north carolina that Did must i say in fun. north carolina again <laughs> Wait, the caveat is you are a Moroccan yeah. young woman yep, my, perceived to be Muslim. Yep. So dressed like this. Dressed the way you dress. And I had my I've been since I like have grown as an adult, I've identified more and learned to love my natural hair. And at that time I was wearing my natural hair and yeah, just Volumes. Volumes. That must have been wild. Had doors slammed in my face was called tons of names. What's the worst thing you were called? Um, this one lady was like, we're in a pandemic. You better get off my property right now or I'm going to like just – but screaming that. Mm -hmm. Like she was like, you need to leave my house right now. And like I don't know, having to like knock on people who like visibly had Trump signs like – Oh, boy. Because they have you on this app and you have to go to all these houses that are marked on it and just be like, Hi. I'm here with Vote Blue. Mm -hmm. Do you have a plan for the election? They're like, slam the door. How, what percentage would you say like cared or like, well, okay, like oh, what, what do you have to say like about 30%. it? 30%. Okay. So a good chunk was not yeah, cool good, about it. Yeah, like majority of people would not answer their doors. And I felt weird doing it because it is weird to knock on people's door during a pandemic. I would it not. Is. I would not answer the door if somebody knocked on my door right now. And I thought about that the entire time. I was like, I absolutely would not answer the door yeah, for this right now. That is an awkward position to be yeah, in. Yeah, so... But I needed money. But it was weird to just like walk around like these rural areas of somewhere I have never been in my entire life in the dark sometimes because I would work eight to eight. Oh, wow. So it would just get dark and I'd be like in the middle and then like with my phone dying, just being like, hey, you going to vote for Joe Biden? And, like knocking on doors and these like big like houses or these like, I don't know, like very spread apart too because it's still a lot of like land. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's North Carolina. It's yeah. not the most populated area. Exactly. So we would just be like walking 25 minutes between houses sometimes. It sucks, too, because it's like I, I haven't met many people our age in our field with our ideologies that are mm -hmm. like, I just love Joe Biden so much. He's just the dream yeah. candidate, you know? And that was the other thing. Everybody I was working with was like, fuck this, man. Like, I know. Let's get Trump out of this bitch. But that's That was the biggest problem with that election was like, 
yeah, a lot of people were against um, Donald Day, Tr- Donald, Donald Trump, but Joe Biden was like not yeah. ideal. And either. that was like the most feedback I got. People would be like, "I don't really know. I don't like them. I don't like either of them." And I was like, uh, "I had to be like, well, you should vote for Joe Biden because even though I was like, I definitely understand how you feel. <laughs> I concur, but yeah, uh, I concur. But I'm here to tell you, here's this piece of literature that you probably shouldn't touch because we are in a global pandemic, but." <laughs> Ah, uh, isn't yeah. that 2020 out? You just yeah. some wacky and places, the organizers eh? were like, like, you need to be getting those numbers, knock on those doors. You need to talk to people. You need to have your personal anecdotes about why you think this needs to happen. And I was just like, so, like, I'm here to get my money and go. Mm. Like, but it That was, was a, a stressful election. Yeah, and it was a stressful election. And I remember on election day, like, we had to canvas on election day. Oh, wow. In North Carolina, <laughs> you know, I so keep you were saying there. in North Carolina. Yeah, I was wow. there on election. I was there until the. 4th. And they were like that got that close. got pretty close. Close, yeah. We, they Strangely flipped close. Flipped red, but it was cool to be like. Oh, that was, I guess I had a very, 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 very minor hand in that. Like, you never know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was um, this election was absolutely groundbreaking, wacky, off the charts. Yeah, was weird. And like the way it, like I found out, and I the weirdest thing was. After that, I got a call for a NASCAR show, like, the next day. And that hadn't happened to me where I went from one gig to another gig, like, back-to-back mm-hmm. in the whole year. Like, mm-hmm. that, I'm used to that usually, but, like, that hadn't happened. So I went to that, and I found out at the NASCAR gig that Biden won. And everybody was, like, happy, and I was just like, I mean, there's still so much. Nothing changes today. Yeah. I doubt anything is going to change in on the 20th. When all that... The inauguration stuff. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah I'm not... Like, That's so close. It's like two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's like... It's cool to celebrate that he's gone, but it's not like we're getting much better. That, yeah, it's I, not I, I, agree, like, I agree. Yeah. 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 And it's like sad to see people be like, okay, we can go back to normal now. It's like, normal sucks. Normal is really horrible and yeah, what is for normal? a lot of people. Yeah. Like yeah. your normal like is oppression for millions and millions mm-hmm. of people. Like mm-hmm. is just like complete oppression. I know, and that's why I try not to do this. And I hate when people like want to reminisce me, like, "Oh man, it used to be so much better back in the day." It's like with for Obama, who? like for who? No, I'm yeah. talking like in the oh yeah, like back in the '50s, things were simpler. Like if you were a white man, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this Jim Crow era is still Literally, going on. Like, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, oh my it's God. never been. I don't know. I even it drives me crazy when people say that about Obama too. I'm like, he was uh, cool, I guess, whatever. But he still did drone strikes on millions and millions yeah. of yeah. Afghani and yeah. Muslim children. Oh my God! Yeah, and uh, I, don't, I didn't forget that. Of course not. And no. I know Joe Biden's going to do the same thing. And as much as I hate to say it, it was kind of cool that Trump took troops out of. The Middle East in the last couple of years. It's, uh, it's, it's nice a waste to hear you of say money. That. It's, it's nice a, to hear you say that being being who you are. Yeah. Saying like it's fucked Donald Trump forever, but of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but you have to admit when someone, regardless of their creed or who they are, did something that is actually better, yeah, or good, or at least the right thing to do in that moment. In that moment, and yeah. he didn't like I also hate that people say by doing that he created peace in the middle east because he absolutely did not do that but what he did is stop meddling and stop wasting our resources in just creating destruction Mm -hmm. and that's that's a step yeah and lives from being ended and i he did a lot of other really horrible horrible things and a lot of other horrible policies but i i guess that that is a positive thing for me like that is something that made me happy to see Mm mm-hmm 
I guess it's maybe the only thing besides him trying to say that he wanted 2000 over the 600. That was like, I, I get with that. I can get with that. Yeah. I don't I, like I'm to down side with, with him. At I'm all. down with what like uh, Andrew Yang proposed. Yang it. gang, bro. <laughs> the universal yeah. basic income. UBI, uh, we need UBI. You, for at least, if not uh indefinite thing, at least until like everything's back to normal, yeah. normal and vaccines are implemented properly. Exactly. Something because it's like, Six hundred dollars is nice for like two seconds because two seconds. most people's rent is more than that. I just paid all my bills that. with it. It's gone. Mine too. I got it on it's the gone. first. It's I don't even gone. have it anymore. Yeah, I, it's same gone. thing. Same thing. It's like <laughs> okay, thanks. But cool. Like, I haven't had anything to pay for anything for ten months. I'm gonna use this immediately. Like yeah, it's. But yeah, uh, I'm big Yang Gang. Yang like, Gang. He was my original. It was him and Bernie for me. Bernie, I would love like a, a trifecta of like Bernie Yang and like. Would be a good, another good person. Tulsi was all right. She wasn't that bad. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They're all, uh, all politicians are at some point like kind of snaky. Well, the ones that just get shut down are the ones who don't have anything really compromised with them. Yeah, like exactly. Yang like or Bernie, Bernie and yeah. they just get swept under the rug. Exactly. Because so. they're not compromised, yeah. you know. So it's just hard to play that game. But like, we should, we sure on you, you president, I'm vice president. Yeah. Yeah, we got this. What would be your uh, what would be your mess? What would be your slogan? My slogan. Oh, this is hard. Make America healthy again. No, nothing <laughs> like that. And I'm sick of seeing like the parody hats, like yeah. of like make this great again. Yeah. It's like it's triggering. I don't want to. If I see someone wearing a hat that's red and has words on it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. f- fuck you. Like yeah. <laughs> again, when, when is what year are we talking about great again? Like we you know when you'd see that. Like, right. What, what like, are we talking when about? were we great? <laughs> Was it when we stole this country? <laughs> was it when half of the people, or was it when we enslaved an entire continent yeah. and brought them over and erased their entire lineage and history? Yeah, yeah. Was it when we, like, started crazy wars and intervened in stuff that we didn't need to intervene in? Mm-hmm. No, it's never been, like, I don't know. It's always been at the expense of black and brown people always so anybody's minority women yeah. black brown asian mexican yeah. any anything like the wall thing was extremely weird for me like yeah because my my dad was like not in support of it but like didn't not know how it. to not be because he's yeah. like republican but like okay but like didn't know like when you're married to your ideologies based on your religion yeah. and stuff and it's deep threaded in you it's hard to like swim through those waters yeah, exactly, especially when you don't have the internet and like books to learn yeah. more and you're just kind of an older person and we're in this two party system where it's like th- these are the only two ways mm-hmm. and unfortunately like obviously like I don't I don't believe in a two party system I know most people don't at this point I don't at because all because it's like we're just always stuck between a lesser of two evils and that's fucking ridiculous we need like a 20 parties a, a country like yeah. a whole like one of the biggest countries that influences in the, world. the globe. The entire yeah, we are a global influence. Like yeah, and we just have two idiots. Two two old two guys, old really old guys. Yeah, exactly. Biden's gonna be eighty before he's out. Two old white guys too. It's like you've never seen shit. Like, no. what have you really seen that like? No. I know he's been through a lot, and his sons have died, and like. But guess what? But guess Other what? people's sons have died too. Yeah, exactly. Of different races, regularly. Yeah. Who have no money or As fame children, or power or nothing for no reason, with mm-hmm. no justice, and have no money, and are in debt because they had to pay for funerals for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> also, on any note, make all drugs legal. Make all drugs legal. And 
that would be my slogan: make all drugs legal. That's a good <laughs> that's slogan. I could get behind slogan. that, good. and I could I could argue and, and debate that forever for anyone who's against it. Do too. you remember my friend Robert, who I brought here from Massachusetts? I do. Yeah, okay. from, he went to Harvard. Right? Yeah, he went to Harvard, and he wrote that. his entire thesis on making all drugs legal. I want to read that. Yeah, I will forward that to you. That's cool. Yeah, and he does a lot of work in that aspect, which is really commendable of him, especially as someone I've known my entire life and it doesn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. But that's even better. Yeah. That's so clear-headed really and unbiased then. Do if you drugs, don't do yeah. drugs and you're like, these should be legal. Yeah. Well, we know what prohibition does. Yeah. Throws people who are poor and of color in prison. Go back to the 20s. Yeah. When alcohol was illegal, all it did was create organized crime. Exactly. And kill people. Yeah. And, and hurt people and poison people. black people and brown people in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I see, I don't know, my, a lot of my cousins grew up in the Netherlands where drugs are legal and, like, they don't have the same problem. Like, they don't have an opioid crisis because it's, if you want to do that and if you, like, it's not stigmatized to be, like, I need help or I need to get off of this or I need whatever or it's, I don't You're know, also never going to really overdose if you're going to a clinic where an actual doctor yeah. is implementing a drug that you won't get AIDS or, or hepatitis exactly. C from. Exactly, and you don't have to, yeah, you don't deal with the whole health crisis that it becomes and the crisis of homelessness because people are able to receive treatment and, like, mm-hmm. figure their lives out or receive housing because just because you do drugs doesn't mean you don't deserve housing. Mm-hmm. And just because you, yeah, just because you have a disease or just because you're addicted to something doesn't mean... The disease you just said, that's the most... It's a disease. Core. Addiction it is, a disease. is absolutely a disease. It's a disease like you never seen it. never yeah and my dad after he had a stroke became developed alcoholism and watching that like it's i just am frustrated with people who are like why are you doing this to yourself why don't like and that would yeah i don't know it's like mm-hmm. you're not doing this to yourself you have like a, it's a disease like it you is. really can't control it like you'll see people who have children they're they they might be attractive and fit they might have a good job they might have everything and they still do it like yeah i'm telling you it is not just like oh yeah they should just stop what's their deal it's like no it's it's a serious disease stop if you cared you would stop but it's like you literally physically can't it's a it's a real problem and people don't Mm -hmm. treat it like that and then it becomes the stigma of like well if you wanted to stop doing drugs or if you wanted to stop drinking you could but you won't because you only care about yourself but that's not the truth it's It's like you can't you can't find out how to care about yourself if everybody's just telling you that you don't care about yourself because you do this thing Mm -hmm. and it just yeah it creates a very like unhealthy environment about using drugs because you then you have the aspect of people want to do it because they want to rebel because it's cool because it's like I'm doing this because I'm not supposed to be doing this. And it's like, okay, you're doing that. But then you can't tell anybody and you can't have a network of resources and you can get into more trouble that way because you can't call people and be like, hey, I am super drunk and I can't drive this car. Like because you don't want people to shame you for that. Yeah. So you do that and you put yourself and other people in dangerous situations. And I think if people just were – I don't know. Like, you don't have to do drugs if you don't want to. But if other people do, like, what's the issue? And what's the issue with them trying to find help for that? Because mm-hmm. less people are going to ruin their lives doing drugs and drinking and do all that if there's, like, a safe place that they can go. Or, like, if they just feel generally cared for as a human being. I feel like people just lessen your humanity when you have an addiction. Yeah. They, they treat you lesser than they treat you like yeah. this – uh not like an animal, but they just kind of treat you like, well, they're just like this thing that's yeah. like a problem. You're a child you're that a can't control nail, yourself. You know? Yeah, you never grew up. You don't care about anybody but yourself. You're a leech. You're this, you're that. And it's like, no. Well, People have actual problems. and like problem. You're doing the drug, not to do the drug. You're doing the drug because you're trying to cope with some type of exactly. problem. Exactly. And pain. a lot of drugs are medicine. And it's silly that people think that like taking pills is okay and then you can shame people for 
smoking weed. Oh my god! Don't even get me started. Every yeah. time anybody's my family, and they're like holding alcohol while they tell me like it smells like weed. It's like you're drinking one of the worst yeah. substances. You're drinking literal you poison. Have. I'm smoking something that came from the earth. Like, well, just like let's look at the numbers. Yeah. How many people have died from marijuana? How many people have died from alcohol? Exactly zero. How many men have hit their kids or wives because they were stoned? They're probably just laughing at super bad. Yeah. And then you have people who are drinking who actually are causing domestic violence. Or like, yeah, or regular violence or like getting in a car and causing accidents or mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just staggering how people think like and America has such like an alcohol centric um culture. Culture, yeah. It's it's just like every I feel like it's part of every social cornerstone is drinking here. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't allow people who aren't comfortable around drinking yet or aren't like or are recovering from alcoholism or recovering from that. It it doesn't create a safe space for people to like want to socialize. Yeah. So then you have people who are recovering alcoholics and are trying to like cope and be around it. But like and you can't go and be around people without people drinking mm-hmm. and like without I don't know. And you then have a slight you, guilt trip about yeah, it. Yeah. And then you're reason. stigmatized like, oh, you can't drink like or oh, you don't drink. And then it's like. Yeah, because if I drink, you call me an addict. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to do the best for myself, but then you're shaming me for not being able or not taking part of something that you're going to shame me for taking part in if I can't control myself later. And that's, yeah, it's sick. It's messed up. Yeah, it at- makes me really upset. I mean, this this has been a wonderful conversation. <laughs> we had some really yes. sad and dark things. I know. But I'm you know sorry. what? What I, not that I love it, but what I love about these types of conversations is it's real. Mm-hmm. It's everyday yeah. stuff. It's it's between people's existence of work, school, sex, money, happiness, creativity. It's it's yeah, real. Exactly. This is what people go through. Exactly. People are unemployed right now. People do drugs. People die. People vote. People cry. People express. These things should be talked about exactly. more instead of like. I don't. I don't know about that. I, I. I can't. It's like who cares? Yeah. It's to me. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, you had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming. Of course. Yasmin. Thanks for having well, me. Well, you'll be back again someday. I would love to. Yeah, and I hope that you keep doing what you're doing. Keep making art. Thank keep you. playing saxophone. Yes. Keep working on yourself. Mm-hmm. Staying positive. Exercising. We're definitely gonna go on some runs. We're gonna do some five Ks. Yes. Yes. And um. Stay positive and and keep doing what you do best. You too, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Yep. Ciao. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care.